Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. I am Joe Murata. This is Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Hey, uh, can someone turn that siren down? Jeez. Where, where is that coming from? Turn know. it down. <laughs> Folks, welcome to a very special edition of our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. This is to commemorate uh, today, January 11th, 2018, the 25th anniversary of of Monday Night Raw, Michael Quinn. Yep. We'll get into the history a little bit of Monday Night Raw and how things progressed through the years. We're also going to get to your favorite and least favorite moments as requested, as well as a very special, little more casual, Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of Monday Night Raw. Lots of uh, fun things, right? Lots of fun things on this very special Thursday edition of our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Now, before we get into any of this, I would like to remind you to follow us on Twitter. If you haven't yet, at OVP Podcast, you can email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. You can go to our website, OVPPodcast.com, where you can find links to all sorts of great things, one of which, Quinn, is our Patreon. Yes, uh, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Over there, you can go subscribe. Uh, $3 gets you kind of the whole kit and caboodle. You yeah. get the live reviews. You get the commentaries. You get it all for $2. You just get the commentaries if you just want the commentaries. You know, that comes with an RSS feed, so you could plug it in your podcatcher. You don't have to go to the Patreon and get it all the time. That's right. We got everything over there, right? We have everything over there. All, all kinds of all stuff. All kinds of things. <laughs> not everything, but you know, fun things. You get the kit and the caboodle. Yeah, the it's, kit and the caboodle. It's not just the kit. Oodles of caboodles. <laughs> we wouldn't they rip say? you off like yeah. that. <laughs> and uh, you can uh, also leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and we're available other places, Quinn, too. Yeah. Google Play Music, yeah. Stitcher, yeah. Blueberry, yes. Auto, Who cares? Uh, Otis, I, I don't know what it's called. And various other places. Yes. And uh, quick shout outs to a couple of people there. We have uh, also dropping today, Greetings from Allentown, another fine retro wrestling podcast. Yes, I believe it's called GF Allentown yes. in some circles. Some circles. Around the globe. <laughs> Petey Winston hosts a very good, very fun, and very lonely one-man retro wrestling podcast where he reviews like a show the whole time yeah but he, one show because one is the loneliest number <laughs> and he intersperses it with uh i guess personal recollections and musings and anecdotes if you will it's very musing it's very musing and another great show that we want to plug here because we like them they're friends of the show is the wrestling podcast about nothing wpan uh that one is not about nothing it's about wrestling and on that show we have the kingpin brian malonis an independent wrestler and we have independent wrestling referee who is on an extended hiatus quinn yes don't forget extended <laughs> that would be mean mike crockett we'll be hearing from those guys later uh, yes. as well as pd later on and folks we want to thank you for joining us if you are new if you happen to stumble upon this maybe some friend told you about it maybe you found it on the internet i just wanted to explain that we do have a regular monday show every single monday we release a regular program yeah it's like what we're talking about here today <laughs> yes. they release the program also every yes monday. so check that out uh we have an episode dropping of course this upcoming monday now quinn i 
have watched some Raw in my time. Uh, me too. A lot of it. I, I, I think you kind of have to <laughs> if you're a wrestling fan because it's like the main show. Yes, and it wasn't always, and it wasn't always in existence. It was 25 years ago, January 11th, 1993, on Monday night at 9 p.m. on the USA Network that Monday Night Raw made its debut. Yes, and before that, I mean, Superstars, I guess, would have been the main show. Yes, uh, from 1986 until around this time, WWF Superstars was their A show um, in terms of syndication and exposure. That's where the stories happen. That's where the stories happen. Now, I I guess we should put on our painter's hats here and grab our brushes Mm -hmm. and paint you a picture. Brush, 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 paint, paint, paint. (laughs) A Bob Ross, if you will, of the landscape. Fluffy clouds. Of how things, happy little bush, of how things were before Monday Night Raw. Now, in all of wrestling, uh, there was basically two ways to do it. You either did somewhat of the NWA approach, which was do a small studio show, mm-hmm. an intimate setting. At and, 6.05 yes, on, and, on Saturdays. And let your stories unfold yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, World Class took a different approach, as did Mid-South and WWF, where they would actually tape it from arenas right. as part of a larger experience. Yeah, I feel like WWF was kind of the pioneer with the big arena thing. Right, They, they were. Uh, World Class did it. A, a couple of other companies did it. But either way, whether you did it the NWA style right. in an intimate setting or you did it like just with a big globby arena, the bottom line is it wasn't live and it was cobbled together. Yeah, it was in the can. It was in the can. Uh, there would be post-production. Right. There would be like edited interviews. Sweetened crowds. Yes. Things they would cut to, you know, and, and just it was a produced program cobbled together a patchwork. How about that? Yes. Does that yes. make sense? Monday Night Raw did kind of change that because the first several episodes, and and for a lot of its time, it was live. Yes. And that hadn't been done in that setting. Um, That's not to say there hadn't been live shows. And I I mean, I think there was even live editions that were special of like Saturday night or something, like every once in a blue moon. But nothing like a weekly, like, we're going to do it live every single week. Correct. That was like, the idea. This is this is like completely different in that case. They had never done that before. In fact, the show that Monday Night Raw replaced, in time slot-wise, was Primetime Wrestling, Quinn. And a lot of people fondly remember Primetime Wrestling. Right. Uh, mainly, of course, for Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. But can you elaborate on the wrestling between the banter? Uh, it sucked. <laughs> As Stone Cold would say, it sucked. And, and why? It sucks! Exactly. Yeah. Why did it suck? Because it was just matches that were in the can, but like, not like they were in the can for like two weeks in the can, mm-hmm. like more like two years in the can. <laughs> Sometimes, like, right? It was just like, it was this weird show where it was really about Bobby and Gorilla just goofing around in right. between like, here's some crap from like the Philadelphia Spectrum with like Hercules and Haku. It's like, who cares? Like, you know what I mean? Like just stuff that didn't matter and no relevance to anything. Yep. The stuff that did matter in the storyline, it was in like vignettes and like interviews and stuff, but the matches themselves had no bearing on anything at all. It was almost like it didn't matter what matches Gorilla and Bobby were throwing to. Yeah. That that was like Quinn saying, it was just so irrelevant. Yeah. The main storyline development, like Quinn said earlier, happened on Superstars. Right. And sometimes you'd get mini blow-offs on like Saturday Night's main event and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's not to say, like I said, on primetime, sometimes stuff would happen. Yeah. Like, you know, Roddy Piper and Bobby the Brain, like... Sure. Stuff like that crap. The Terry Taylor feud, but those were yeah. uh, exceptions rather than the rule. Right, and they would throw to like, hey, this shit happened on Superstars <laughs> this week sometimes too. Exactly, but 
On January 4th, 1993, the final primetime aired. It was a one-hour special. I have seen it. I don't know if you have Quinn. I have, too. It, it, isn't it like Gorilla and like Vince or and something Bobby, like yeah. reminiscing about the show? That's all it is, and a lot of it centers on the antics of Bobby and Gorilla. And even in 93, they knew that was its legacy. Now, I believe on that show as well, they are hinting about the first Raw and how Bobby's going to have trouble getting in yes. or something. They start talking about that there. And that brings us to January 11th. Yeah. The first week, Monday Night Raw emanated from the Manhattan Center, specifically the Grand Ballroom, right. which is the smaller of the two ballrooms right. in the Manhattan Center in, in New York City. And about a 500-seat venue, I think it was. Yeah, not very big. Not I've very been big. there. It's, You've been there? Yeah, it's, it's a ballroom. And we've talked about Raw a little bit, and so we don't need to, to go into great detail, but what made this so fresh and so different is it was a contrast to everything else that we've just been talking about. Right. Rather than it being sweetened crowds and pre-taped interviews and all this stuff, you know, or a small studio, this yeah. was this was not a studio. Yeah. And this was not a weekly, um, you know, cobbled together patchwork television show. No. This was live. Yeah, and anything truly felt like it could happen. Like, if someone fucked up, it, you were going to see it because there was no room for error. That's right. Crowd reactions were genuine, and it's the rowdy New York crowd. Right. Early 90s New York crowd. And to be fair, they did seem excited about the product in those early episodes. As bad as, like, 93 WWF is, I'm surprised people even <laughs> gave a shit, but they did. I know. I think it was just maybe the, the how fun it was, right? It was like, whoa, we're at Raw, and it's, like, on TV it's right now. Like, and yeah. It's in your face, and you can almost touch the wrestlers. And WWE loves to mention the fact that Shawn Michaels was on the first Raw. Yeah, and The Max Undertaker. Moon. Too. And The Undertaker, and I believe Yokozuna. But those matches were garbage. They're horrible. Yeah. But the whole point is that, at the very least, you, you have the crap of 1993, but you put it in a totally new environment, and right. that's what was exciting. Yes. It's funny. It, it was such a fresh concept that it really could elevate how shitty it was. Because, like, like <laughs> yeah. this is not a good time. This is during a time period where, like, it was a big downturn, a big drop-off from 1992. Like, 1992 is great. Yes. 1993 is shit, but Raw kind of like, it just kind of keeps it afloat is uh, is the best I could say. You know what, Quinn? That's a, that's a really astute point. It isn't mentioned much for, for romantic reasons on the WWE's part, obviously. Yeah. They're never going to talk about it. But man, if 1992 was um, great from a creative standpoint, disappointing financially probably, yeah. 1993 is horrible from all standpoints. Right. It's bad. Right. It's it, horrible. It, it, Raw started during a very bad time. Right, and there's part of me that always thinks to myself that they like to put a nice coat of paint and say, well, it was in this intimate setting, right? And it was. But how much of that is that we can't get a bigger setting? Like, because no, no point. one gives a shit about this right now. Like, <laughs> to be fair. They stayed close to the vest for a long time. In fact, folks, um, the Manhattan Center Raws was pr their primary home until September of 93. So you're yeah. talking January until September. Yeah. With a occasional trip to the Poughkeepsie Mid-Hudson Civic Center. Terrific. Which was kind of like their backup place. Slightly bigger. Yeah. But for the first eight months, they were strictly in New York. Yeah. They didn't even leave New York until the end of 93. Right. It was probably cheap to produce at that, at that ballroom. And that's one of the things, too, Quinn, is even though Raw had the... Um, the stigma of being live. Mm -hmm. I don't know if stigma is the right word. It actually was already not live every week by 1993. Yeah. There were already pre-taped episodes by 93. Right. So the anything can happen feel, certainly on the live ones, but with a, uh, an astute eye, you can catch the ones that aren't live and you can tell. Right. And I will say this. They did 
a good effort to try to make it feel unpredictable. It sure. seems like they got a handle pretty early on on something even Bischoff got a handle on later on in the history was that the unpredictability on Monday nights is what made the whole thing attractive to begin with. So even if it's in the can, if you can have unpredictability, sure. because it's before the internet, at mm-hmm. these early ones, at least, in like 93, 94, there was no like Bischoff on the other channel to be like, yeah, Goldust beats this guy, <laughs> right. Shawn mm-hmm. Michaels beats that guy, or like Meltzer's like, match, uh, this match <laughs> happens and all this shit. Like, it, there was nothing to really like, match. spoil that, yeah. You're absolutely right. And uh, that's I'm actually glad you mentioned match, because one of the great early feuds on Monday Night Raw, and we're not going to do every single year and talk about every single thing, folks, just to get warmed up here, but one thing that really made Raw and put Raw on the map with that unpredictability was the Shawn Michaels-Marty Jannetty feud from May of 93. Yes. The same episode, by the way, that Razor Ramon lost to the kid. Which was unpredictable, the razor thing. Yes. But the show, Marty Jannetty showing up had been something that, you know, that was like an old thing. Like, mm-hmm. that was like, you know, what, late 91? Yeah, and when it had started, yeah. Right, he, he, had, he kicked him through the barbershop, <laughs> yes. and, the, you know, Brutus was like, I can't do anything because my parasail face. And <laughs> then, like, Marty's face was fucked up, and yep. he was, like, gone for a year. And him showing up was like, this is crazy. Like, I, we thought he was dead or something. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, the way they treated yeah, it, Yeah, the right? way they treated it, sure. Yeah. And Marty won the title that night. Yeah. <laughs> It was awesome. Which was incredible. I love Sean, but it was a it was a good moment for like him too, because it's like Shawn Michaels is a major heel. Yep. Everyone came out of that looking good. Mr. Perfect and Sean went on to have a mediocre feud, but it still put Shawn Michaels over. That even led to a cool Shawn Michaels moment, I believe either the next week or something where like they fought on top of a car or something outside of Raw. Oh man, with Perfect, you mean? Right. And again, It's just to put the example out there. It's like nobody was fighting on top of a car outside the building before Raw. Yeah, in WWF anyway. Maybe in in some other territory. Well, in um, what was that? That, (laughs) Continental. Continental. Yeah, (laughs) but like I'm saying, like WWF. This was in WWF. This is all uncharted territory. Absolutely for like a glossed up like product that that they used to be. This is absolutely uh, groundbreaking in their world. Anyway, so as Raw goes on by 1994, I've got to say. And into 95 and into 96, we are just on a downward trajectory in terms of quality. I mean, the, you know, once they move into the aircraft hangars (laughs) and like no one cares, like it's, it's just like, it just becomes like superstars on Monday. It really does. And basically folks, what they started doing by, I want to say 94 or 95, it started taping three or four at a time. Yeah. So you'd get one live one and And everyone's dead all and it's like smoky in the in the place for some reason and it's it's just nothing you'd get two or three taped ones you know for several weeks in a row and one of the things that vince did in an attempt to stay relevant i'll give him credit for trying it didn't it wasn't good is he would come back in and post and dub in like current events references and pepper them in in the commentary who cares to make exactly because we don't need to hear vince talking about lorena bobbitt yeah or like some nfl game or something yeah but i have so many bad memories of some of those like 1995 raws of just like uh 
dubbed in crowd yeah. and like Vince just screaming over the crappy smell not, of not, this product. Not only that, I just feel like everyone's just kind of phoning it in because it's like this is the fourth taping episode. It's like, <laughs> right. who gives a shit? Like, no, seriously, right. Like, you're right. 94 and that leaks into 95. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like, ugh. Now, in in the end of 95, they tried to shake things up a bit. Uh, the Shawn Michaels, am, or I was going to say amnesia angle, but the Shawn Michaels concussion angle. Yeah, that seemed like legit, like, right. whoa, what the fuck? Like, that Shawn was a good Michaels, one. Is, is, is he dead or something? After Survivor Series, and it, it led to him, you know, just taking two months off and coming back and winning the Rumble. As a kid, I will say, as a Shawn Michaels fan, I was, like, concerned. Like, I thought, like, oh, my God, did he have, like, a seizure or something? Like, what happened to him? Shawn Michaels! That seemed real. Yeah. And that was one of those first situations where it really did seem real. Yeah. They were pulling that type of reality angle. Now, that became a theme later on in 1996, as we all know and love. Yeah. But not before a deluge of crap, <laughs> including T.L. Hopper yeah. and just the Grim Twins, which was like Jacob and Eli Blue. Ugh. And just Farouk with the Gladiator helmet. And meanwhile, on the other channel, on Monday Nitro, yep. WCW is doing the NWO. Right. And let's get into that for one second. I mean, Go ahead. Raw's history... I don't think it would matter as much if Nitro didn't come along, right? right. Mm -hmm. Like, Raw had established for, like, two years yep. this, like, oh, it's awesome, like, this is cool and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it's getting stale, but there's no competition, so who gives a shit, right? Right. Nitro comes along, and it's like, holy crap, now, like, Raw is going to have to, like, reinvent itself, right? Like, yeah. it can't just be, like, you know, crappy one, two, three <laughs> kid matches in, like, a dusty hangar yeah. every week. Right? <laughs> Isaac it's like, yeah, it's like, who cares matches? Right. You know? And that's what eventually happened yeah. on WWF Send. So, by the last quarter, I'd say, of 1996, things started to change. Those last few months. Right. Quinn has dubbed it the pre-attitude attitude era. Yes. And it starts with guys like Steve Austin becoming much more prominent. Right. It starts with a lot of um, what felt like unscripted moments. Thank you. You know what I mean? Jim like, Ross's heel turn. Right. It starts with stuff like, um, you know, throw to Austin in a vignette and he beats up a cameraman because he is, he's like, my time got cut off. He's talking about his time. Like, it's like, they're aware of the show, yes. but they're not mm -hmm. supposed to be. But there's like, there's this like edge of like, I, I don't know, like, are these guys breaking the rules or something? Like a little bit? So there's stuff like people yelling at Vince like he's the owner, but he's not supposed to be in the yep. story. It's like, all this stuff is just coming together, and it's starting to get unpredictable. Like, you just don't know. And and coupled all of this mm -hmm. with the fact that over on Nitro, mm -hmm. people that are on Raw one week are not on Raw, and they're on Nitro the next week. Sure. So there's just chaos going on right now, right? People were jumping, stuff like that. Yeah. And as 1996 became 1997, we had the Pillman with a gun incident, which we've covered before. Yeah. Very reality bending. And that happened to be, you know, that November 4th, 96 episode, the first episode where Raw was moved from from 9 p.m. start to an 8 p.m. start. Yeah, how ironic, right? <laughs> right. And USA was none too pleased about that, but from a fan point of view, it's very memorable. Oh, it's, and one, and I love it. it's one of the most memorable moments on yep. Raw ever. For me, at least. As sure. a kid, I thought, oh my God, did he really pull kill, a gun on the guy, kill right? this guy? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, it's like the nightmare, right? It's like some people always, some people joke like, if these guys hate each other so much, why doesn't somebody just kill somebody, right? There you go, right. Well, holy shit, it's gonna happen. Uh -huh. Like, you feel like you're a hostage in your own home tonight? Fuck! Steve is a dead man walking! 
Because when Austin 316 meets Pillman, oh my God. Not a God. Oh my God. I'm going to put his service straight to hell. He's a Steve Austin's out there now, man. What? They did it. They yeah. finally just went with it. You yeah. know, they went with a gun angle for once. Yeah, and not that that's okay or anything, but it, at the time, it just felt like a organic, natural escalation. It's like, well, if they really hate each other, if it's this personal. And the guy's got to defend himself. He and can't he's walk. breaking into right. his house and his wife's there. Mm-hmm. What else is he going to do? What would like, a real person do? Right. They'd threaten to shoot the person. Right. Think yeah. about it. What would a real person do? And, and I don't know. I'm not going to... I'm not going to claim something without knowing. I know Vince Russo was on the writing team by this point. Yeah. I don't know that it was his idea. Yeah. But I know that he was on the writing team. But Vince Russo becomes a factor uh, throughout 1997, 1998, 1999. Yeah. In turning certain things, anyway, <laughs> into a more reality-based product. And I want to say one other thing about that episode. Go ahead. Because I watched it recently, and something popped out at me. Yes. Is that it's influential to how Raw becomes written for a long time. In that... The whole episode is centered around this event mm-hmm. to the point where Vince is frantically calling up Austin on the car phone. Like, what? Yeah. where are you? Like, please don't go there. There's guys waiting to beat you up. Mm-hmm. He's trying to dissuade him. And Austin's like, I'm going to kill him. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, on the phone yelling at Vince. Yep. And he hangs up on him. And yep. you're like, what the fuck? And you're watching these <laughs> other shitty matches. While yeah, sure. But you don't care about that. You're like... What's going on with this? Yep. You know, and that kind of writing style where everything's intertwined, but like there's there's something that everybody wants to get to. Sure. That was influential to how Raw became, you know, in its glory period here. I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. 1997 was great because you had all this Austin stuff going on. You had the Bret Hart feud. You had the Michaels Bret Hart feud, the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart turning on America. There were so many things that went on throughout yeah, 1997. Mixed in, you got Mankind. You got Mankind. And, and, Kane debuts later. Cactus Jack, all that stuff happens. Absolutely. DX at the end of the year. Yeah. Raw was the best Raw ever was. Quinn and I, I think, both agree, was 1997. Yes, 1997, it hit its peak. Yep. It's never... T- touched it it's had moments where i mean 98 great even too now like uh, you know in the last five or so years there's moments that capture that excitement but Absolutely. there's no sustained excitement right uh, 1997 1998 it'll never get better than that it's like literally every single week something happened yes. that was memorable and it was must-see television for for a few years because of that precedent yeah the quality in 1999 i wasn't a fan of 2000 i think it picked up again a little bit with yeah. the addition of like guys like chris jericho and the radicals and, but it never and like it, that. again it never captured that lightning in a bottle nope of late 96 through 90 not 98 98 i'd to say the yeah end, to the end of 98 end yeah. of 98 uh we've talked about that too at length where the quality in general of wwf starts to dip at the end of 98 yeah to the point where 99 go back and rewatch it if you or don't because yeah. it sucks right i mean a lot of it does but it was great at the time mm-hmm. it was fun uh 2000 i loved watching raw because of the triple h and the stephanie angle right lit the wrestling world on fire in my opinion that was a huge part it was very um frustrating as a viewer to watch but at the same time it, in a good it way kept you coming yes. back every week um you wanted to see these two spoiled kids is what it felt yes. like 
you just wanted to see them get their comeuppance. And I will say this, I felt they never really did. And that, that always, to me, that led into the sourness of like, Late we're still dealing with these two children <laughs> yeah. who have not properly gotten their comeuppance since like 2000. <laughs> to and be fair. That's, that's, not, that's not entirely untrue, Quinn, yeah. you're right. 2001 for me was the last time I truly enjoyed watching Raw until... 2013. I mean, Quinn right. and I had moments. We watched it a lot in the later 2000s, 07, yeah. 08, 09. I mean, I always say 2003 is my one dark period in wrestling, like right. where I just really did not give a shit at all about anything. Like it's, in 03. It was bad. Maybe I kept up from afar, but yeah. I, I don't remember caring. And 04 was a bit of a renaissance. 04 was better. Yeah. It was a year. I, mean, uh, there was we, some... I know we can't talk about it because of Voldemort and all this, <laughs> but I mean, they did really start to pick it up and they they figured it out again, and I think that's what established John Cena's time yep. as the number one guy. And you know what? All of that stuff led to was that they went on a sustained period of like John Cena is the Hogan, and it's this weird like Raw is the eighties again now, and like it's Monster of the Week for John Cena on it Raw. Did happen. Yeah, sure like, it did. Yeah, you know. That's, that's kind of what happened. It, it took a weird turn. It went from being this fresh, unpredictable show in 93 mm-hmm. to being kind of stale and banal and kind of pointless by 94 already. And 95. And yeah. 96, right? Yeah. Then it became exciting, intriguing, a hint of danger. Yeah. And, right? and complete, it just lost all predictability. Like, it was just like, I don't fucking know what is going to happen at right. all on this show. And that, that happened from 97 to about 1999. And then something cool happened. After Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara left, mm-hmm. it became a very um, episodic show for for 2000 yeah. under the guise of Chris Kresge and his team. And 2001 for, to a into, certain Into 01, yeah. right? And then the Attitude Era kind of comes to an end. I mean, unofficially, they say. Right. With the invasion angle. The invasion angle was botched. We all know that. The raw portions of it were exciting. They had um, some excitement. Um, There was, I remember the reveals of Stephanie and mm-hmm. Shane as the owners of WCW and ECW, respectively. It was interesting. It was very interesting. I, I thought, you know, maybe there's going to be, maybe SmackDown's going to just become WCW. Right, right. Like, a you, lot of people thought that. Yeah, You know, stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, none of that shit materialized. But, you know, they figured out what they needed to do to get at least the ball rolling for sustained, you know, sustain a sustained show that could to live on to today. Absolutely. From the stuff they learned. And by 04, I feel like it raw just became a well-oiled machine. Like In that, its way, that's how yeah. it feels now. It's a homogenized Yeah. For better or for worse. There there are things to, you know, defend Raw to keep a show like that going for so long. Yep. You have to develop a rhythm, and I think by 04, 05, they had figured out, like, this is how we can keep this show going, even if it sucks, Mm -hmm. and even when it's good, it's like, we just, there's a way to do this. I think that's fair, Quinn, because without predictability, you can't have any surprises. Yeah. And you need to have a norm that you can break every now and then. Raw became the norm product, the way... You know, it tries to be predictable, but it's not really. But when something actually unpredictable would happen and they would save that stuff and scatter it throughout the year, that's kind of the way it operates now, if you ask me. Yep. I would say the end of the that mid 2000s glory period was probably marked by JR leaving and we kind of moved into our more modern era. I'm talking around 08, 09. Yeah. yeah. Um, And then there was a guest host era. Yeah, which I was not particularly a fan of. The that idea, really, the idea was to make it completely unpredictable because they didn't tell you who the guest host was for for some of it. Yeah, yeah, but that kind of turned me off because what is this a variety show now? Well, yeah, I mean, 
and that's another thing is Raw kind of went into this mainstream variety show thing that they like to do. They like right. to, you know, they, they they like to incorporate anytime they can get anything mainstream anything. involved into the show, even yep. if it's stuff that was mainstream two years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to rag on it. Because for all the crap we're talking about, mm-hmm. there are good moments like, you know, like Daniel Bryan getting his, finally getting his sure. match, uh, CM, CM Punk, Punk pipe bomb, you know, but all this stuff, instead of like 1998 and 1997, where it was like every single week there was shit like that, yeah. it, Raw became like, I don't know, three times a year or some shit happens yeah. and you're like, oh, I heard about that. that sounds interesting. And you watch it on like YouTube or something. You're right. You know? and, but yeah, I'd say overall, I think you said it perfectly, Quinn. And, and again, this is a for better or for worse. Your mileage may vary, folks, but it's become homogenized to a point where it's reliable. Yes, it's sustainable. <laughs> it's sustainable. And like you said, they can keep the show going no matter how much it sucks. Or how good it is. Either or how way, good like, it is. They, like I said, I'm not I'm not saying that after like the Attitude Era there wasn't good times because there, there was absolutely I cannot were. like take that away from it. There sure have there been just good times. There wasn't as many good times. That's right. And that's yeah. a reflection of a bunch of things. Uh, the product as a whole, you know, right. the, the people that are working there and controlling the creative yeah. direction, society's attitude towards wrestling, bunch of different things. But folks, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break and we will come back. We're going to hear from some of you guys, your submissions, and Quinn and I will begin to compile our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of Monday Night Raw moments. Back after this. The name's Venom. Vic. You think those announcers on TV are shooting with you? I don't think so. It's all in the spoilings. You either got them or you don't. You want fluff? Go eat them. Gosh, no. You want the dirt? Guess who's got the shovel? You want raw? I'll get downright nasty. Subscribe to an attitude. Get 12 issues of both the WWF and Raw magazines. That's 24 issues in all for one low price of $29.97. That's 68% off the newsstand price. Or subscribe to either for $19.97. Call 815-734-1161 or send a check or money order to the address on your screen. Do something with yourself. Send the cash. Hey, uh, this is Bill Yankovi, a.k.a. Wrestling Man, the host of that wrestling show. First time caller, long time listener. Uh, if I had to pick my favorite moment of all time on Monday Night Raw, the history of Monday Night Raw, to me, it would have to be Stone Cold Steve Austin stunning Vince McMahon at Madison Square Garden. To me, that is... The moment where the tide shifted in the Monday Night Wars from WCW to WWF, because once that happened, WWF ran to the races, never looked back. Thanks for what you guys do. Continue the great work on our vantage point. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, our special Raw 25 show. Uh, that was Bill Yankovi, Quinn, the wrestling yes, it, man. Yes, it was. Long time early fan of the show. Yes. In our storied history. In here. storied history. When are we going to do the 25th anniversary of OEP? <laughs> uh, in about 23 and a half years. Yes, when we do that show, Bill, you'll be honored in yes, the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Bill Yankovi talking about a great moment, Austin stunning McMahon. Uh, in the garden, that was September 22nd, 1997. Great moment, Quinn. Yes, One great of my moment. Favorites. I mean, I think... You know, if we're talking about the Rushmore, I guess, as we're doing, I don't know if you want to hit the music or not. You know what? Just for formality's sake, 
I would say, folks, it is now time for the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of... Monday Night Raw. There we go. Okay, <laughs> okay. it's official now. Raw mo- memories or moments. Yes, yeah. raw moments, and it, which can, of course, include matches, too. Okay, that's it's fine. Anything that happened on Raw. Yeah. Do you want to have a pick at one, a stab at one, a shot? Well, I want to talk about that one first that sure. Bill said. Go ahead. Because I think to a lot of people, that will be probably the number one moment. You think um, so? I don't know if you have an objection to that, but I mean... That's kind of the gold standard. Um, it, it it does everything right. It has a little bit of unpredictability, but at the same time, it was like an event that people, you know, they thought was going to happen, but they weren't sure. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of feel the audience while you're watching it. There's like this buzz, this, uh, is it going to happen? Uh, you know, I don't know if Vince is going to let this happen sure. on his show and sure. blah, blah, blah. And the exhale from the crowd as soon as he kicks him not even stuns him there's a shriek that goes out (laughs) from a lady i remember that she's like ah like and and it comes from like the rest of the crowd too it's like yes yes it's happening this is a thing austin's not gonna give a fuck about vincent (laughs) man and we're gonna do this like wow yeah it's a big big moment the hell you can kiss my ass It is a very big moment, yeah. and it's very hard to argue with that being on Mount Rushmore and Death yeah. Valley. I would say that it might have to go on as number one, specifically because anything else having to do with the Austin McMahon feud in 1998 would not have had the exact same impact if this precedent hadn't been set. Yes. Because I was going to say, and it might still go on, the night April 6th, 1998, that Austin and McMahon were going to fight. Just that whole angle that yes, night yes. is also one of the best things that they've ever done. Right. But again, it's all all predicated off of that moment. Correct. Plus, Austin McMahon, the stun in 1997, September, yeah. was the culmination of Austin stunning JR and Sergeant Slaughter and the King. Yeah, it's, it's almost like Raw has a... Um, a BCAD kind of thing. Yeah. There's, the, there's the, the PS era, the pre-stunner era. And the, uh, I guess we'll call it the, well, they would also be PS, the post-stunner era. <laughs> the, the pre- and post-stun era. But, I mean, it, it is a real big divide. It's like the show goes from being just some wrestling show to being like Jerry Springer in a variety sure. show and all sorts of bullshit. And Absolutely. For better or for worse, that, that moment is the dividing point. It is, and not only that, as we had mentioned, uh, Vince had been acknowledged increasingly as the owner over the past year, but but this was where it was like, all right, holy shit, he just stunned the owner, this is yeah. unprecedented, yeah. you know, he was bitter, uh, Austin in character, yeah. and it was bitter because he couldn't wrestle, Vince had been lecturing him on his safety, and Austin basically is just like, fuck you, you know? Yeah, and you know, it also set another precedent that, you know, the people in charge in kayfabe were no longer shielded by... um. You know how they would always say with Tony, the prestigious president or whatever they would. Yes, I know what you're saying. The esteemed president. The esteemed, like they, they would always like shield 
you know, people who were running it. And I know there was Gorilla getting Vader bombed. Once, but I mean, the only time that ever like, happened. That was like really ridiculous. And, and they kind of never really talked about it much. They, big, and, uh, like how big of a yeah, thing that it was. It was a big moment. Right. But I mean, like this was like, now we're going past the management and the sure. presidents. It's like, sure. this is the owner. This like, is the owner. There's no one above him. Right. And the real life owner, not like the fake owner. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I have no objection if you want to put that on as number one, Quinn. Yeah. Do you want to? Yeah, that should definitely go. There's nothing that beats that. All right, folks. And before I put this on, I just want to mention at any time, if you want to let us know your Rushmore and Death Valley of Monday Night Raw moments, you can do that by tweeting us, emailing us, or simply go to our Facebook group, which we didn't mention. Just go to Facebook.com and look for the Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast discussion group. Join it and post away. Uh, for number one, Austin Stuns McMahon, September of 97 MSG. All right, Michael. Well, what are your thoughts on the Austin McMahon angle that played out on that April 6, 1998 episode of Raw? You, you mean the, the match? Yeah, which the whole yeah the whole angle, but up to the match there, because that set the stage for the rest of 98. You mean just the angle? Yeah, the whole angle. That's a um, moment in itself. The whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's fantastic. I don't know, because I don't want to shortchange some other moments. Sure. So I'm thinking some more like memories, yeah, moments, things. Um, one that stands out to me only because I remember watching it and being genuinely like captivated by it, mm-hmm. and, and it's going to sound weird, but um, the whole Bang three sixteen with the gun. <laughs> I mean, it's um, I know it's a little goofy and a little is. off, but it was one of those things where I always, I always like good examples of um, a continuity throughout the program, the two hours mm-hmm. of like an escalation, mm-hmm. and I just remember that specific episode yeah. like. He kidnaps him or something and yep. like you know there's this whole like following it and this you know the whole thing in the ring that went down i couldn't i know this may sound childish and stupid but to this day i still can't believe vince mcmahon peed his pants on national television like i'm still like how this is like a guy who's friends with the president like and stuff <laughs> well like, that's not, nothing to brag about he's a billionaire you know what i mean like for him to do that for some reason i always kind of in a weird way respect is like holy shit this gotta do what fucking anything for this company i think we got another t-shirt on the way and i think that t-shirt might just say mcmahon 316 says i just pissed my pants oh no you sure he didn't just have like a little balloon that he squeezed in his no pocket? he de- the way that you sure the way that um fell down his pants he definitely pissed himself you're speaking from experience quinn i'm just saying like that's just how gravity and water work and (laughs) (laughs) and just also when there there's another exhale with the crowd that i feel that it 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 actually did the same effect sure as the austin stunning with the whole when the gun went off yeah that is fun and and the crowd was like oh shit like you know what i mean like like damn he really got him this time like (laughs) like it's just a it's just a great memory um absolutely i know it maybe it won't make rushmore but i just think it should be acknowledged because it's another great example of storytelling throughout a whole episode you know the crowd you know being built up Mm -hmm. in a big exhale at the end and i just always really like that episode okay fair enough you know let's go to steve from the positively pro wrestling podcast and see what he has to say as far as his raw memories Hey guys, this is Steve from the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us at PPW Podcast. For my uh, favorite memories of Raw, I've got a couple. Uh, one, obviously, is probably going to be 
where Mankind won the WWF title from The Rock uh, on that episode, famous episode of Raw in 1998, in December of 1998. Just the crowd went nuts for it, and it was something I was not expecting. Another thing I wasn't expecting was the famous Chris Jericho is not the world champion, uh, where Earl Hebner did the fast count, and you had throughout the show... Um, Wondering if Jericho was going to keep the title or not, and eventually Triple H makes Earl Hebner reverse the decision. One of my least favorite things was also my favorite. So uh, back in 1994, before WrestleMania 10, Macho Man Randy Savage faced Yokozuna for the WWF Championship in the main event, and they made a big deal about if Macho Man won, he would go on to defend the title at WrestleMania just as Yokozuna would. And the thought of a Bret Hart Macho Man match or a Lex Luger Macho Man match was really, really exciting for me as, as a young kid. And then what ended up happening is Crush interfered in the main event. Macho Man didn't win the title, and I was pretty bummed about that. Uh, there's a lot of bad stuff over the years in Raw. You know, there's the Rosie O'Donnell versus Donald Trump match and the Alexa Bliss Bailey, this is your life um, segment. But. I'm the type of person that loves bad wrestling, so that doesn't really affect me too much. Um, tons of other stuff overall, tons of great matches. CM Punk versus John Cena in the main event right before WrestleMania 29. Marty Jenny and Shawn Michaels, just just awesome stuff all around. Um, Bret Hart versus the 1-2-3 Kid, another hidden gem if you haven't seen it. Lots of great stuff for Raw, and hopefully more great stuff in the future. Keep it positive. All right, thank you, Steve. He, he named a lot of good shit there, Quinn. Um, the thing that uh, jumped out at me was the Jericho. Yeah. Um, that is one of the most unsung moments <clears throat> ever. Fantastic moment. I'm glad I someone mean, brought that up. It is. It's a masterpiece. Like it, it's it's a masterpiece in good television. Good storytelling. Good television. We had, we've talked about it before, so we don't need to go into great detail. But basically, this is during the Triple H and Stephanie Reign of Terror. We're yeah, talking about. I think it's May of 2000, where their faces were even like on the Titan Tron yeah. permanently. <laughs> right, right. And uh, Chris Jericho had been face by now for a few months and was hot, you know, on a great run. And he gets a world title match against Triple H in the beginning of the show. Yeah, right. First match. First match. Uh, pins him, but it's a fast count by Earl Hebner because Earl and Triple H had a bit of a scuffle. But Quinn, when the cr- the crowd's reaction when Chris <laughs> I, Jericho, I, I that's one of the biggest pops ever on Raw. Period. One of the yes. because I I think people truly believed. Okay, finally, mm-hmm. finally, Triple H like he always cheats anyway. So why wouldn't this be like okay? Like right, you know exactly. what I mean? Like this, like it it took somebody to cheat back at him, but it, it you know fuck it, it's mm-hmm. like enough. And I still say I, I always think it is a poor decision mm-hmm. to reverse it. I would have almost rather if like the story went like Earl like said no, and like they beat him up and fired him. I'm fine with that. And then Jericho, you know, like at the pay per view, it's like you know Earl gets his job back if I win or something. I don't know. Mm, okay, you know, just like they, I just think it hurt Jericho overall too. Uh, I don't know that it hurt him. I think he's doing quite well for himself, Quinn. Well, I just mean, like, it took longer to get him started. That I don't disagree with. And it also was very unfortunate two years later when they tried to redo the feud. Yeah, it it was about a dog. It lost its, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's a bad moment on Raw. That whole era there, and and that's a great snapshot of it, is about as good as Triple H ever got, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, it showed that he really did have the heat oh, that absolutely. they uh, portrayed. Absolutely. Um, it, it was it was palpable yep. in the crowd. Yep. And the anger, yep. the anger from the fans yep. for a kayfabe storyline in 2000. It was fantastic. It was it was great. Yep. Let's uh let's go to Pat Ray, another uh, longtime 
friend of the show here, a contributor on our Facebook group. Let's see what he has to say, Quinn. Hi, this is Pat Ray, longtime fan and listener of the OVP Retro Wrestling Podcast. I would say my favorite Monday Night Raw moment is when Mick Foley won the uh, WWF World title by beating the corporate Rock on January 4th of 1999. Actually, I did not get to see that live. I heard from my friend Jason, talked with him on the phone, and he was all excited. He said, Mick Foley won the uh, world title. And I kind of did an about take. I was like, Mick Foley? Really? You see, I grew up on High Street in a small town where I'm from. But when I was 14, we moved out to the country. My parents had... um, build a house out on some farmland there. We ended up going without cable, no cable, no satellite. We actually couldn't get cable out there until, geez, I want to say, like, I don't think they got cable until, like, after 2000. So for the longest time, I had my grandmother, like, taping. Well, at first, she was taping Nitro for me for most of 96 and 97. But at points, I had her tape some Monday Night Raw episodes as well as if I had heard good things about what was going on and decided I wanted to watch Raw instead of Nitro. Of course, I was always a WWF fan growing up. But, yeah, my friend Jason was the first one to tell me about Foley. And, um, of course, I was a big fan of Mick, the Mankind character in Cactus Jack. And it came as a big surprise. (laughs) But And, you know, I'm not even sure I saw the tape of it right away. Uh, I don't think I saw it until years later on, like, a Best of Raw VHS that I had bought. I think it was the first time I finally saw that match between Mankind and The Rock when the DX came out and kind of fought off some of the guys from the corporation and helped Mankind win. But uh, I'll never forget, you know, him riding on um, with the New Age Outlaw's shoulders, holding up the title. And uh, just a great moment. I think it's one of those moments that we all love. It reminds us why we love wrestling so much. So I'd have to say that that's my favorite Monday Night Raw moment. Thank you, Pat. Nice little memory there. Uh, yes, that's that's that, another that, person to say that yes, one too, Quinn. I was about to say that. Um, yeah, it, it is a good moment. It definitely um, puts some butts know, in the seats. I will say this. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Personally, this personally. is just personally. Mm-hmm. It's not the best moment to me personally. Me neither. But I understand a lot of people resonated with a lot of people. Yep, absolutely that might did. be a controversial opinion. I know a lot of people love it so much. I loved it. Um, Some I thought favorite. it was great. No. I think it could make Rushmore I just because of how much it resonated with a lot of people. I think the idea of this underdog that Mankind was. Mm-hmm. Mankind, you have to understand, at the time, he felt like a guy that, you know, was probably the hardest working guy on the roster, mm-hmm. but probably would never be the world champion. No one thought he'd been the world champion. No way. He would no be way. monster of the month, or he would be a guy that was an underdog against a, a really overwhelming champion. Absolutely. And, 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 and nothing more, nothing less. And it was a big moment. And it also established Mankind is like, okay, now he's like a world champion. He can be in the world title picture. And anytime he's involved, you know, the title can change hands. Absolutely. 
it was great. I, I love seeing it. Um, it's definitely up there for me in terms yeah. of, of moments. I got to bring up another one, though, Quinn. It's not a feel-good moment, but damn, was it entertaining. And I have to st- say that it's three weeks in a row worth of angle development. Okay. So we're going to package it into one thing, but it's three, three or four weeks in a row. And it would be the unraveling of Bret Hart mm. in March of 1997. That is a great thing. Just yeah. that whole angle, right? Yeah. That whole program, that little story, starting with March 17th, where he snaps shoves Vince on his ass, gives his famous promo, which you will hear right now. Extremely frustrated over what has just happened. Whoa! Frustrated into the goddamn word for it! This is bullshit! Oh, we apologize, ladies and gentlemen. Screw me! Everybody screws me! Nobody does a goddamn thing about it! I, I, I know that, it's, it's the yeah, best. It's so good. <laughs> then the next week, it's the night after WrestleMania. He gives the the big speech. American fans from coast to coast can kiss my ass. Yes, officially turns heel. Right, and also by the way, just just a aside there. People saying ass on TV, it wasn't like common on Raw. No, this became so more it common like, now. Yeah, right? It was like whoa, whoa, right. Bre- and Bret Hart of all people opening the door, Mister. I'm I'm the the kid friendly yeah, character. Um, you know, I'm a hero. Yeah. And then the week or two after, I can't remember, but he was a jerk the next week, regardless. The Heart Foundation, right? Reforming the, and the whole like he he gives that like weird look when he hugs <laughs> snide um, look yeah, to the crowd. Like, it's like shut up, like on. I love you. Yeah, that whole little package there. I'm going to package up as one thing, you know. I, for I for think nomination. that's a serious contender. I think it um, is too. I do think back to mankind for one second. Yeah, of course. That's that's up there. That is a strong contender. Just because of the emotional resonance it had with so many people, and so many people bring it up to this day, you mm-hmm. know? like yes, I do. As much as I love Bret Hart and all that, all that. I mean, stuff this is a real and, yeah, feel-good moment. This is a real moment that just—it's the unforgettable aspect of it that yep. I think shines it above a lot of the rest. I, I totally agree, Quinn. I don't know who pushed for him to win the title. Uh, maybe yeah. it was just Vince McMahon himself. I do know that um, Vince Russo had a knack for trying to tap into the real life backstory, and yeah. this did pull at that real life backstory of McFoley, right. the kid from Long Island that was you know the overweight, ugly, hardcore guy. That right. was his story. He didn't have the look. He didn't have the look. He didn't have the physique, but he had the work ethic, the determination, the heart, and he broke his body for fans. And this was finally in real life the culmination of that. I almost feel like we put it on as number two. Yeah, and work uh, from here. I really do. There's yeah. no way this is getting knocked off, Quinn. Yeah, I mean, I guess... Uh, I'm not going to push too hard. Let me table it for hard. two seconds, That's right? fine. Let me table it for two seconds. Yeah. Because, and I know this, the, the actual winning of the title did not happen on Raw, and I know it's more recent, but something when you're saying that, it really mirrors it to me, and it's that Daniel Bryan moment, which started, again, it was a couple-week build, but... the. Yep. It started all the way back at SummerSlam when he got screwed and blah, blah, blah. But, it, you know, the story was told over many Raws, and I think it brought a lot of people back to the product. And the idea of this underdog wrestler that people knew who he was in the indies, but, sure. they, you know, he it was hush-hush, uh, you know, he's no superstar. Right. Even though a lot of it was accidental and blah, blah, blah. Damn it, Joe, it made good television. And the moment when we thought he was being de-pushed, and and it used the real life aspect that mm-hmm. we thought he was being depushed and he was being put in the Wyatts mm. and he turned on him in the cage. Gosh. The yes, yes, yes at the top of the cage. Oh yeah. And then the ne- a couple weeks later when basically he staged a protest and as goofy and stupid as that was, Joe. 
from from the the from, on-screen from point the of view. on-screen perspective what it represented was what everyone was yelling at them at their tv screens yeah for months right that this was their champion this was their guy and damn it we want him in the main event at wrestlemania and we're not going to put up with this shit and that like it, it almost it, it, it welled up emotion when finally, mm-hmm. finally Triple H said, "Fine, damn it, you can be in it, but you got to beat me." And it was like, "No, we got to weigh in. Like we let's take yeah. it." And you know what I mean? Like yep. it, it very closely parallels that Mick moment. It does, and that those several months there from the build from SummerSlam until you know right after WrestleMania, and then everything fell apart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was some forgetting all that, but I'm just saying was it was some of my favorite times to be a fan again. Yeah, because of the story they told now. You got to tip your cap to WWE on one sense for for giving in and mm-hmm. actually doing it. They didn't want to. Right. It is really true that they were really going to run Batista and Randy Orton as yes. the main event of WrestleMania 30. Right. They were really going to, mm-hmm. uh, but they listened for once briefly, yes. and they weren't going to make him a long term champion. No, and they weren't going to make him the face of the company or whatever garbage. Right. But they were willing at least to listen. And let him win the title at WrestleMania. And that's what that represented. It yeah. represented that fan, the fans so desperately wanting to tell them yeah. to get the message across. Right. I mean, it was like to the point where I felt like people wanted to do write-in campaigns and yep. protests. Right, right. People were talking about going to Raw and protesting and turning their backs yeah, I remember at that. live. Like, I remember that. I like, remember this that. was fervor to get this man to the to get this man to the main event you know yeah. what i mean yeah and, and i i have not seen passion like that since this mcfoley thing so that's a good point yeah I, I i i like that yeah let's go to jake georgeson and see what he has to say my favorite monday night raw memory comes from the very beginning of monday night raw i was about five six years old when raw started in 93 and I can just remember that as far as wrestling goes, it was the coolest thing I had seen because up to that point, all I really knew was the Coliseum videos and superstars and the cartoony Hulk Hogan stuff, which I loved, but this was different to me and it felt like a more adult product. And for a five or six year old, that was pretty cool. The only problem for me was that Raw finished past my bedtime and being a Monday night, it was a school night. So I remember being on the couch, watching Raw, and hoping that my parents would fall asleep on the couch so that I could finish up Raw before I woke them back up and let them know, oh yeah, it's my bedtime now. So that's kind of just a fun memory of the very start of Raw. So hope you guys are able to use some of that. Love the podcast. Keep it up, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. You know, that brings up a lot of... Um, there's a lot of Raw that's personal to people. Um, Absolutely. And this, this that's the, the personal, the human element. The human element. Like, I mean, I have a Raw story just as an example. Um, Go ahead, Michael. You know, during that can't miss period, I remember I was at my grandma's. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, you can't stay up. You know, it's past your bedtime. Right. And I remember just like begging and I finally got it and I got and it was just a stupid I think it was the one where like DX turns on Jim the Anvil Night for some reason. But I was like, damn it, I gotta see it because then everyone's gonna know about it and I'm gonna be screwed, right? It's funny, man. But it's just like yep. it's that personal touch with Raw. It's such a long term program and people are attached to it. I think that that says a lot 
Absolutely. Um, just people can even just have their own personal stories in front of the TV. Absolutely. Whether you're eight years old or 38 years old, um, to be a wrestling fan and to watch Monday Night Raw live on Monday nights, there there's nothing quite like it. And, yeah. and there are, are tons of people that enjoy it that way to this day. Right. Despite what you might hear, I mean, people are still watching it. Yeah. And people are still enjoying it. I'll give you my quick, uh, a quick Raw story then also. Yeah. For, for um, back in 1994, actually, I think the first Raw that I ever saw was one that my mom's boyfriend, now my, my stepfather at this time, uh, taped for me because I wasn't allowed to stay up um, at nine. You know, I think yeah. I had to go to sleep by nine back in 1994. It's funny that keeps coming up as <laughs> yeah. a story because is, is they, they did put it on past a lot of children's yes, bedtimes. They absolutely it did. It was a children's product. Right. You know? It's very interesting. And that was the Raw right after Survivor Series 94 where uh, Diesel had just beaten Backlund after the MSG show for the world title. So I was introduced um, to the Diesel era via Monday Night Raw. Good for you. Yeah, good for me. I had been watching wrestling. Brett was my favorite, but Diesel had to become my de facto favorite for a little while. Right, yeah. With Brett gone. When you're that age, it's, (laughs) you know, the champion's your guy, I guess. That's right. right? I mean, they they got me. I was nine years old. Right. They got me. Um, Back to the Rushmore at hand here, Quinn. We've got in Waiting on the Wings... We've got the Bret Hart angle from from 1997. We've got the Mankind winning the title, which is huge. I, I think, and the we got Mankind, Daniel Bryan. You know, after listening to the memories and stuff, and you know, I I fully understand um, objections to the Bryan thing because it's re. I think mostly because it's recent. It's more recent, um, and it, it probably won't have quite the same impact. WWE will use it for the visual of people protesting. Yeah, it's the I, only thing. I think ten years from now, it'll be one of those things that people say. Uh, you know, that really resonated with me. You know, fans that sure. maybe are eight-year-olds now and they're 18, you know, in 10 years, mm-hmm. that's going to be something that's going to be there fully. It's possible, um, um, Their underdog finally getting getting to the big show, right? It, it's possible, yes. Um, however... It's also possible the big show himself will still be around in 10 years. Of course, but, <laughs> I mean, we said we wouldn't talk about him. So. <laughs> we did, you're right. Uh, however, um, yes. I think fully is the template... Yep. For that uh, idea, agree. Um, on especially on Raw, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really that's about it. I think it's I think it's in. I think it's an easy it's an easy show, and it was one of yeah. the best moments, uh, best title changes I've ever seen on Raw, and one of the most feel good moments during a, a great period of time for wrestling. Yes. For number two, Mankind wins the world title from The Rock. The Bret Hart angle, though, Quinn, made yes. for some fascinating television. Bret Hart angle, definitely. Um, you know, there there's a lot of good moments. What about the time that the new DX was formed? Thank you, because that's, that that's was going to be another one. That's a great episode. That's the March 30th. That whole episode is good, Joe. There, I mean, there's a lot to uh, dissect on that episode. I believe that's the do it the easy way or the hard way with yes, it Stone is. Cold and it's the Vince de- McMahon. It's the debut of the new world title belt that Austin promptly drops on Vince's foot. Yes. <laughs> the old one on Vince's yeah, foot. Yeah, the, the winged eagle. And that's the start of their their angle. You know, the next week was the one where they're going to fight each other. Yep. Um, and then Triple H brings back Sean Waltman, which is yep. one of my favorite moments. It's the first time that Raw fired back with somebody defecting from WCW. And not only that, X-Pac came on TV and said... Eric um, Bischoff. He you said, know. you suck, Hulk Hogan. Like, right on TV. That's like the first thing he says. It's like, Hulk Hogan, you suck, pal. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was like... I felt like Raw needed that. Um, They needed it. Because yes. 
they were getting pounded for, you know, what is it, 82 Almost, weeks or yeah, whatever the hell it about is? About a year and a half. Right. And they needed, as I know Xbox not maybe the best representative, <laughs> no. but the point was, the point stood that this guy was on the winning team and he sure. jumped to the team that was losing but rising and he was here to say, you know what? They ain't as good as they say they are. Yeah. Screw them. Yep. We're better. Yep. And now I'm here with the with the good guys, yes. the guys that are gonna beat them. You know what I mean? Like it was like it felt good as like a, a fan of the WWF who was watching that 1997 product and watching the the effort. Yes. The the, the good writing that went into it. And it was like that's awesome that that guy's saying that. You know what I mean? It absolutely was, and he was the voice of a new degeneration. You know, right, yeah. It was it was fantastic when you 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 said it perfectly because WWF had been better than yeah. people had, were giving it credit for. Yeah, they were doing good work for the previous year by yeah. this time. I can't I can't say, and it's stupid, but how refreshing it was to hear somebody not a WCW guy saying how bad the WWF was, right? But, the WWF actually firing back and not billionaire Ted no, 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 and this no, no. bullshit from management, but an actual performer, real life here, a performer just to just to say Hulk Hogan, you suck, buddy. <laughs> and and it was like everyone was like, yeah, like, he, it, well Hulk Hogan, you suck, pal. <laughs> Damn it, yes, like <laughs> you know what I mean. And, and it was a good good moment. And not only that, after all that happens, they have that tag cage match thing the outlaws with the and, outlaws and chainsaw charlie and yep. mankind mm-hmm. and damn it, it it's revealed at the end that they're part of the new dx and it's like okay this is like mm-hmm. this is serious man yeah and i think on Oof. that episode also the rock turned on uh farouk i think you're right yeah i think it was that episode or if not it was very soon after but so, yes you're yeah, right a lot happened there uh, oh the, gosh you know, the, the, the the rock the Rock. Austin, yeah, Road Dog, DX, Road Dog, <laughs> yeah, DX, you know, like all of that stuff. Do we just put that whole Raw on? That Raw is, you know, it's one of the finest Raws. It um, is, and it kicked off their their streak. You know, a lot of isn't times, there, isn't there an episode that's like notoriously the best Raw ever or something? I, I, I don't know I, if I don't it's know, that Quinn. one. I, I can't say that, but <laughs> a lot of times, folks, you got to remember ratings are not a reflection of the actual episode being rated. It's a reflection of the previous episode. Yeah. And the one that broke the streak was the week after this one we're talking about. Yeah. This episode generated enough buzz that more people tuned in the following week, and that's how they beat Nitro. Yeah. I don't know, though. Um, Brett? Going back to Brett um, for one second. It's, I think I'm going to put it on. Let me, um, let me um, say something about that. I, say. I think we can trim a little bit of the fat off that. And and I that's no offense to sure, the whole go ahead, thing. Go ahead. But I think the apex of it, to me, involved the point when everyone intersected. That's fine. On the, on the go-home show to Mania 13. Fine. So that, the March to, 17th Raw. That's that, fine. Well, the, specifically the ending. Um, yeah. it's, one of the, it's one of the greatest moments in Raw history to me, personally. It is. P- Brett's promo after the cage match. Yeah, Sid running out saying, "I don't know shit." Even Austin, the cage match is fun. The cage match against because the, the fact that the guys that are uh, scheduled to face each opponent, yeah, they're helping their they're opponents. helping their opponents. Right, it's just smart writing. It is the promo at the end is um, fascinating. Bre- really, some uh, of Brett's best mic work. Some starts of Brett's here. best mic. Austin's great. Austin's great. Um, Undertaker looks intimidating. Sid yeah. is hilariously Sid awesome. Sid is hilarious. You got Sean dancing up and down. 
Patterson getting punched in the face. Vince is Vince amazing. McMahon losing his shit. King, on, uh, King is like, you got to do something, McMahon. Like I, everything about that is is awesome. Okay, so we're gonna put in the ending of the March seventeenth Raw. Is that correct? I, I don't know of any other segment um, that's better. Um, it's one of my personal favorites. This uh, is do you, before we do it. Do, yeah. What about what about the Pillman's got a gun? Just um, as far as segments go, um, if I like we're talking this. about segments, I personally like this more. Okay, I actually do. Yeah, because Pillman's got a gun is is more experimental. Yeah, it's, it's like the avant garde of, of Monday Night Raw, right? It's like <laughs> the John Cage. It, it, it is never nothing to, to give props to it. Um, nothing had been attempted like that ever, and right. nothing has ever been attempted since like true. that ever. That's true. That's so, true. um. Props to that. Absolutely. Um, because, 100%. damn it, it's it's awesome to see somebody try something new. As as controversial, experimental as it may be. And you can even see it was a little rough around the edges, the way it was shot and everything. Oh, yeah. But in terms of, like, w- impact on wrestling and just, like, a really great piece of wrestling television, the ending of this March 17th, 97 show, because of the way it set up future angles, the way it established yeah. Bret Hart. It's a shame Ugh. that WrestleMania 13 wasn't better, <laughs> because yeah. this makes it seem like it should be the best WrestleMania of yeah. all time. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like, if 98's WrestleMania had a better go-home show, mm-hmm. I would think it was, like, quite simply the most perfect thing ever right and that's a very good point Quinn. you know the the raw that surrounds the this wrestlemania before and after you know a series of raws are much better than the pay-per-view right you know wrestlemania 13 it'd be, with the exception obviously of bret hart versus uh, steve austin yeah is really bad but the raw around it was really good it's funny too because you would not be able to tell by watching wrestlemania 13 that it was one of the best um, put together buildups of all together everything going on. Yes. Of I mean, even that like Ahmed stuff that's going on with the nation. It's pretty controversial it was, and edgy. It was good, but it was so overshadowed. Yeah, but it, it was good. Right. Like all the stupid stuff that people don't like about thirteen. It's built perfectly. Yeah. It's a shame the show doesn't deliver. The show just really doesn't deliver. Obviously, except that one match, and it's yeah. one of the best matches ever. Right. Um. I, th- I think we, we need to put this in in some way, shape, or form, and I'm fine with putting it on as the ending of that show. Yeah. Because it is one of my personal favorite yeah. things. So if you want to do that, and then we'll figure out what we're doing for number four, I'm fine with that. Okay, that's fine. Nothing's knocking this off, right? Yeah, and I th- I think um, we need to take some time to discuss anything post-attitude. I was going to say, we're in a very just, narrow band right yeah, now. Yeah, we're getting... Uh, and and rightfully so, but I yes. think it, it, it's time to give some due to yes. other stuff. Okay, so let's um, let's put this on to Mount Rushmore, and then we're going to hear from Brian J. Rochester with a kind of a random memory, okay, of a feel good memory, if okay. you will. So for number three, the March seventeenth, nineteen ninety seven Raw ending. And now let's go to Brian J. Rochester. Hey, Mike and Joe, this is Brian J. Rochester with my memories from Monday Night Raw. I think the earliest I can think of back from the 90s was this old commercial that used to play a lot on USA Network where it's this couple, this short guy and this hot woman are in bed and she's trying to be all sexy and such. And he's like, oh, I'm tired. And he's like, oh, but honey, it's Monday night. Honey, I worked all day and I just don't feel it. But honey, it's nine o'clock. And his eyes just shoot up, and he's like, nine o'clock? 
Monday, he just put rushes her aside, grabs the remote, turns on the TV, and you hear Vince McMahon's voice, It's Monday Night Raw! That was the commercial that kind of got me hyped about Monday Night Raw. And second second memory was the during the invasion angle, when uh, the W invaders are singing Wind Beneath My Wings to Stone Cold Steve Austin. And all of a sudden, Kurt Angle comes out in a milk truck, as reminiscent of when Austin came out and sprayed Vince McMahon and his goons with uh, beer. Instead, it's milk. And Kurt Angle's going, Ooh, it's milk! <laughs> Everyone's just getting doused. And, and at the end, he climbs on the top of the truck, has two milk cartons in his hand, and just basically does the Steve Austin where he smacks them together, and it's like, oh, drink, drink, drink. Drinks all the milk down. Oh, that memory, that was just the hilarious thing I've ever seen. So, this is a good memory for you guys, and I love your podcast. Why, thank you, Brian. After some uh, labor there, he was finally able to submit to us via video. <laughs> and then, uh, I just captured your audio. Thanks, Brian. So, those are some feel-good memories there, Quinn. Um, uh, yeah, and... Um, I know that commercial in question. I don't know the commercial, <laughs> but the Milkomania... From um, one, yeah. That's a pretty good moment, and it actually has one of my favorite lines, um... The uh the billion dollar princess is a dairy queen or whatever. <laughs> yes, like JR is right. really good JR. during it. That's one thing to also mention, folks. The commentary, um, there was various commentating teams throughout the But there's the only years. one real the, the, the real truest. true voice of the good raw, Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler. Yes, and and proper do there while we're in Rushmore. Yes. Um respect, respect, because that's the voices of Raw to me. Can they be a rush a Rushmore contender? Just them as, as, a, as a memory team. of yeah. their con, uh, yeah. of their commentary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, I mean, honestly, it, it really did um, shape an era. But again, I want to I want to give some proper due to some moments, um, like the angle, like you know, Brian was saying, angle with yes. the Milkomania. The, the Milkomania from 01 is fun during the Austin feud. That's yeah. post attitude. That's during the invasion. Angle. And I know just to get some other stuff out of the way, just, and, and it's attitude era. But the Zamboni, it's fun. Uh, the uh, the beer truck, yeah, fun. Uh, all that stuff, great moments. The Corvette fantastic. with the cement, the car, yeah, the Corvette with the cement. That's a great one, actually. Yeah, um, that all the anything with vehicles, all that, all that stuff is always really fun. It is, uh, and really, I mean, if we really wanted to, and I don't think we should because it's too broad, we could put the whole Austin McMahon angle in, but uh, we don't need to do that. No, we don't. You know, because that's not. Um, to me, that's not a memory. That's like a long-term mm-hmm. angle. I'm going to give you a quick raw story. I was, and this is a big moment too. I was there for this, Quinn. This was July 15th, 2002. And I think I have the date right. This is where Eric Bischoff was the raw GM. That's a big one. Allow me to introduce you to the new general manager of raw. His name is Eric Bischoff. I was there for that. Uh, me and the guy next, it was just some guy next to me because my friend was somewhere else. We're like high-fiving about it because yeah. we were so excited. Like, Eric Bischoff's on Raw. That was weird. That was surreal. Very surreal. That's post-Attitude Era. That's during the first brand split. Yes. Uh, and it was crazy to see the guy that was trying to put this company out of business a couple years earlier. Now and Specifically head-to-head with Raw. Yeah. Too. Raw. Um, it yeah. was very interesting to see him now you know, hugging Vince McMahon. Very good moment. And I would say um, equally big to that you know, as far as that's concerned, is the the infamous simulcast. Um, yeah, I hate it, but I, I know why it's, it's important. It's significant. Sure, and it's, a, can, it's, it's something that um, that might be going to like, Death Valley at this point. <laughs> honestly, it's something that 
for all intents and purposes, it's like um, you don't like it, mm-hmm. but it's a it's etched in your memory. You you remember like that split screen of Shane at the Nitro, Panama City and Beach, Vince in the ring at Raw, Cleveland, and think, there's yeah. just a there. It's like iconic. Or it is something. iconic. Like there's something crazy about it, and yes. weird, and 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 that you see Nitro the logo on the screen on yeah. the bottom and Raw the logo in that they're the same, and it's like this is really that was weird. freaking weird like really weird i i i there's nothing like that i know it's a big one can i give you a comedy one sure santino's little run in 0708 fantastic that was when quinn and i were watching raw back then and we were kind of in the anti-cena campaign for a little bit yeah like the super cena era right john yeah. hogan we used to yeah, call john him. hogan yes we, but we used to love to look forward to santino's music hitting ah, yeah ah, <laughs> It would the come best, out and be hilarious. Okay, the best, yes, I know. the best Santino moment <laughs> out of all of this. I know what it's going to be. Please say it. Is the time when, okay, at the time he's like jealous of Maria yes, or something because she offer. left him. Yep. Like, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And he's on commentary with King, but there's some kind of like subway promotion going on with <laughs> Raw where they're, they're in bed with them, right? Yes, they are. And at the very end of the promo, he's like, the garbage people, the, you know, he's like talking to all this shit. It's like he's almost like babbling. About and women then, and stuff, yeah. And then he just says something to King and like, here, I steal your delicious Subway sandwich. And well, then it's kind of like, hang on, hang on. King, you, want, you want to do it justice? King stands up to punch him. And this is during the era <laughs> where King punched people. He just punched everyone. Like, yeah. he still probably does. No, 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 he's on he, the doesn't, he, he doesn't. He did until recently. <laughs> he would just like, King would always get the upper hand and punch like a younger guy. So this is the best part. He stands up and he's like, come on, Santino. And then Santino throws his soda at him. Yeah. Then he he punches King, starts to run away, does like a 180, comes yeah. back and, and he, like, go, he like slaps the, the, the thing and it's like, I got your delicious Subway sandwich. And then he's eating it up the aisle. He's like, so good. Yeah, he's like looking into the camera so good. And then the garbage people themselves. Look, why, why don't you just get out Oh, yeah, here? Jenny, how about it? Hey! Hey, Jenny! Ha-ha, you lose! Awesome! What a moment. It, it, it's so it's really, really funny. It's really funny. I would like to go, Quinn, over to our friend Keith Langston and see what he has to say about his memories of Monday Night Raw. Hi, this is Keith from Watertown, Massachusetts. I'd have to say my favorite moment from Monday Night Raw, it's a toss-up. First, probably when Mankind defeats The Rock for the World Heavyweight title. And second is probably when Mr. Perfect beats Ric Flair in the Loser Leaves Town match. The least favorite moment, that's another toss-up. It's probably when either Hulk Hogan comes back to join up with Brutus Beefcake against Money, Inc. And he hogs all the spotlight again. Or... It's me, Austin. It was me all along. The only thing that saved that whole moment there with Vince is JR going, oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, those will definitely be Death Valley considerations. (laughs) No doubt about it. But uh, we still got one more Rushmore job. We do, we Um, do. And and part of my giving uh, its due to some great moments. Yes. um, And, you know, Keith had said uh, 
one that's already on there. Yes, which is great. I'm glad he brought up something from 93. Yeah. That, that isn't Michael's Genetti or the Razor. The Loser Leaves <laughs> Town. Yeah, The Loser Leaves Town. Um, in early, this is January of 93, this one match. one of the first Raws. It's, it's a very isn't early like Raw. the second or third <laughs> Raw? second or third. And it's Perfect versus Flair. That's Flair's exit from the WWF. Fantastic match. Bobby sells it all the way through and through on commentary. It's not going to make Rushmore, obviously. I don't think it will make Rushmore. But great, great pick there, Keith. That's a very a good match. Yeah, definitely honorable mention. Yep. Um, back to um, some later stuff just yes. to give, um, you know, it's a 25-year show. Yes. There isn't only three years of it. Um, Go ahead, Quinn. What about the pipe bomb? We have to uh, yeah. we have to address the pipe bomb. It's it's definitely one of the big moments. It's sure. it brought a lot of people back to the product. Um, I, I think people probably even listening to this podcast that early thirties age, yes. you know, maybe late thirties, they were people that maybe had been out of it for like six, seven years, and they heard about this. Their and they, ears perked back up. Their, their ears perked back up. So I have to we have to give it its due. I will explain it very briefly. Uh, and then we can get into the psychology of why I think it worked. Okay. CM Punk had been in the WWF now for five years already, since 06. Yeah. And he had been known amongst wrestling fans, maybe not sports entertainment WWE fans, as a fantastic indie wrestler. Yes. Legendary series with uh, Samoa Joe. Fantastic wrestler in the WWE And as in well. the WWE yeah. by then. But he had been saddled with, uh, I would call a subpar sub this fucking gimmick where he was like a cult leader but it didn't work really he had a bunch of different he had a bunch of different stuff the straight edge society just the straight edge in ecw when he first came the extreme guy or whatever and then he was like the straight edge society version and the bottom led the nexus the nexus that shit which just droned on and on but then all of a sudden in 2011 he sits down on the front of the titantron yep and begins to deliver what you would call a work shoot promo. Right, but something that I think Raw hadn't seen in quite a long time. That's um, the thing. The three things that we have on our Rushmore right now right. are Austin Stunning McMahon, Mankind Winning, and that whole ending from 97. And all three of those things have ties to reality. Right. And what CM Punk's pipe bomb promo did. It, it, it's not the first time someone's ever done a work shoot promo. I mean, watch Nitro in 2000. They're no, all over the place. But the execution the, is very do- well done. It's the execution. It's the guy doing it when he did it. Yes. And why he did it, that it worked. Because yes. he was speaking for the hardcore fan. And again, it's not all about the hardcore fan. That's why this was brilliant. Yes. He was speaking for the hardcore fan to the entire audience. He was speaking to an audience that had seen Raw get homogenized and diluted for many years. Um, a, a product that was, for all intents and purposes, maybe not going down the toilet, but just degrading and yeah. like just slowly eroding. Yes, like, it had been by 11. Yeah. Absolutely, by 2011. And he was saying the stuff that everyone was thinking. Yeah. You know, and... He was saying it in such a manner where he had authority on it because he had been involved. Mm -hmm. And also, he was saying it in such a way, whether you want to believe it or not, it's reality is his contract was due up. It really actually was, yes. Yeah. He also said idiot daughter and doofus son-in-law, which is one of my favorite lines. But that that spoke to a lot of the truths and frustrations that the audience had with the product is they saw it as... He said the D word about Vince McMahon. He said Vince McMahon dies. You know yes, what I mean? He's yeah. like he's like I he said something to the effect of I hope that this product will get better when Vince when McMahon Vince, dies. When Vince McMahon dies. And I 
my jaw dropped with that one. That's, I was like, how is he saying? Like, how is Vince letting this be said? Right. I don't even think Steve Austin ever said something like right. that specifically. Right. Like, when you die, maybe he did. It had a tremendous impact not only on CM Punk's career. Yeah. It rejuvenated it or extra rejuvenated it, right? I mean, he became the number one thing. He became the number one thing for almost two years until they decided, all right, we're done with you. We're going to de-push you a little maybe bit. The, not, maybe not completely number one, but at least shared with Cena. Like, it yeah. was him and Cena. They were the draws of wrestling. I mean, hell, why is it called the Summer of Punk? Yeah. The next, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he was a big deal. He won the world title uh, again later in the year and had it for shit i think from november of 11 until january of 13 right he had a long reign i mean it felt like why take the belt off of him he's great and he was yeah and love him or hate him i don't personally think he's he's okay as a person i think but uh he was tremendous to watch he was a shot of adrenaline Mm -hmm. that the company needed and that promo was the catalyst for that but vince mcmahon's gonna make money despite himself He's a millionaire who should be a billionaire. You know why he's not a billionaire? It's because he surrounds himself with glad-handing, nonsensical yes-men like John Laurinaitis, who's going to tell him everything that he wants to hear. And I'd like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead. But the fact is, it's, it's going to get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. It's crazy to think that that's seven years ago, almost now. Coming up on seven years, yeah, but um, it, it's, huge. I, it, it's huge. It's almost retro at this point. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's weird to say, can you remember a time when a guy would go out there and, you know, because this again, yeah. this is pre the network. And yes, it is. The network, to me, changed a lot of things as far as the product as a whole, as far as being a well-oiled machine. Like, it's, it's yes. even more precise yes, than it even was then. You can just, uh, you know, scroll to the right and you can break kayfabe if you want to, or yeah. you, can, you can you can watch Raw and stay within kayfabe. Yeah. You, can, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a lot different than it was back then. You didn't have then. choices. Right. And Punk, you know, offered a choice. He felt like a, a way out of this. He felt like so, things were going to change now, you know? Yeah, you know what? You're right, Quinn. And speaking of that, I want to give you one that's even more modern. It's not going to make Rushmore, but it's notable, and I want to explain it real quick. I I wouldn't do this justice if I didn't bring this one up, because I love this moment. The time in early 2014, which is now four years ago, which is crazy, where the Shield, who were heels, and the Wyatts, who were heels, and and the Wyatts were relatively new. They yeah. weren't played out they, yet. They were definitely not played out yet. And the shield was still very protected and very dangerous. Like they weren't, yeah. they hadn't, they didn't really lose ever. Mm-hmm. When they were able to get not only the crowd watching in the arena so feverish, but also me and Quinn and whoever we were watching with, because that's when we used to watch Raw with people. Yeah. They were able to get us so excited just by looking at each other. It's one of it's one of those magic moments that doesn't happen as often on Raw. And like we said, it you know, there's two or three moments a year. Yeah. And that was simply because they had kept those two teams apart. They had never seen each other before. They had nothing to do with each other. Right. You know, the Wyatts were their own weird trio of of, you know, southern culty inbred like yeah. whatever it was then yeah. you know what i mean in, in 14 and the shield was the shield they were initially cm punk's like protection and then they were just the shield right and they were awesome it was it was quite a moment it really um it showed you that these two factions even though maybe you know people over criticize because it's the internet and yeah. you know it's during that era and yeah yeah had you know 
picked apart all the missteps. Of course. The, at, regardless of that, mm-hmm. the magic was there. The, 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 that when wrestling works thing, right? Yes. It's like, you felt it. You were like, holy shit, like, I care about this yes. for some reason. Like, I might not like the why it's some people, I might not like the shield as much, but hell, when they're going to fight each other, that means something for some reason, yeah. which means that whatever they were doing, mm-hmm. even though we were picking apart at it, like we always do as stupid wrestling fans, <laughs> right? Um, they got us there, yes. and damn it, it was it was great. It was great. Not going to make Rushmore. I don't know if the pipe bomb will either, but maybe. I, I'm trying to I, think I don't of- know. The pipe bomb is, is a strong contender for me. Um, just just to give one more th- or a late thing it's due, and then maybe we should start wrapping up um, the considerations Rushmore. here. Yes, absolutely. But um, the um, Brock Lesnar um, post-WrestleMania <laughs> after he lost the title. 31, yeah. 31. <laughs> and 15. One of the, one of the again, is. one of those moments where for whatever reason, they had touched on something that felt real for some, the, the scariness of Brock mm-hmm, Lesnar. Sure. I never, you know, it always been alluded to, and you could look at him, and he, he looks like he could uh, his hands are a lethal weapon. Yeah, like he sure. looks like an actual scary person. He has a sword tattoo. Yeah, he has a tattoo of a sword on his chest. Like I would be I would not want to run into this man in, right. in a bar. <laughs> but um he loses the title and you know he demands his rematch to Seth Rollins, which in kayfabe is, you know, a rightful demand. Yeah, sure. He says he wants it right now. Yep. You know, Seth Rollins comes out, says, Ah, my leg hurts. And, <laughs> yep. and you're like, oh, I want to ring that I guy's know. neck. So they got you there first, first right? First of all, yep. Then Brock just goes on the rampage. Yes, he does. And not only does he like he first he chases after Seth Rollins, he can't get him, right? Mm-hmm. Then he like knocks over the announce table and like takes out Cole and JBL <laughs> and all them. <laughs> then he like drags Cole to the ring as the crowd, who by the way, at this point had had enough of Michael Cole. Yes. It was like, get this imposter who's not JR and King out of here. <laughs> and then he drags Cole to the ring, F5s him out of his fucking shoes. Yes, it's awesome. The shoe is left in the ring. Crowd loves it. Stephanie's like, stop, stop. He looks at her and I'm like, is he gonna like... I know, like that was that? awesome. And that's and that's where the moment like really yeah. started to catch me. I'm like, I'm, I'm sucked into this. Right, like, sure, I, sure. Like, I'm invested. Like, I personally believe he might actually do something to her which is right. that's like unthinkable but they're making me think it right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so it finally she he he stops but he beats the shit out of the cameraman which is funny <laughs> which is funny and yeah. then he he gets suspended and that's how they write him off for six months so that because you know the way brock lesnar because that's how it works that's how, lesnar, but that's how it works just again another yeah. um in the modern era, mm-hmm. just to give it its due, yep. because it's a 25-year-old show, and you know it can't all just be in the Attitude Era. No. Great moment. I absolutely agree. I will have to say, the more I've been thinking about this, though, I think we've got, you know, Austin Sonny McMahon is an iconic moment. We've got a match there, which is Mankind beating The Rock. We've got the ending of a show. We've got a good mix of in terms of things. Yeah. I think JR and King are really a viable contender, because they are huh. the soundtrack to all of those moments. Well, it's... Cole was there for the the mankind winning, yeah. unfortunately, but they were there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jr. and King were there for the good years. You know, the Jr. and King were there in '97. McMahon was also there. They're kind of like the MVPs, right? Like they the, really are. They're they're really the soundtrack to Raw. They really were. And when when one of them was missing, 
for whatever reason you noticed it you know like yeah. when jr was gone for a few months in 99 because of Bell, bell's palsy uh and it was michael cole a very young michael cole you noticed it what about when paul was there they were damn good that was too. pretty good with paul they and were good yeah but they, that was so short-lived you know yeah. jr and king did it from 98 99 2000 in 01 then again like 02 to 08 yeah um, more or less you know what i mean and man they are the mvps of of raw i think a couple things before we i, I can't put that in without talking there's so much okay Joe, um but the emergence of the rock um that was yeah that was like a phenomenon it really just swept by we saw this guy go from nothing to like probably one of the biggest stars in the world in, in life, yes. In life. <laughs> and the whole whirlwind of breaking up with the nation and mm-hmm. then, you know, him becoming, you know, like one of the number two guys and then finally winning the deadly game. But, you know, all through all of this, I would say what is the most memorable about The Rock is uh, his promos. Mm-hmm. And probably a, what a lot of people would note is the This Is Your Life, The Rock yeah, with mankind, the most highest rated segment, quite literally, ever on Raw. Is that even good though? Uh, I enjoy I don't mean it. To it p- piss it, on a parade. I've seen fun. it since it happened. Is it's it fun. even good? It's fun. Naturally, The Rock is appreciative to all of his fans, but to you, The Rock's birthday's May second. You stupid son of a bitch! Ah! <laughs> it screwed up again. Five, six months. You know, it's more of like a fan feel good thing because it involves Mick Foley. True. So it's like. All right. You know, you know what I mean? Like it's a this is a a nod to the fans. This is a fun little thing and it plays off all the strengths of the rock being this like too cool for yeah, school sure, character. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of funny in that sense. Um but in general the rock's promos are um I mean, were... some of the most memorable stuff ever on Raw. I tell you what, I got one that ties into the rock but it's it's not just about him. What about Chris Jericho's debut? <sighs> yeah, fantastic. In 99. And rock's good there too. Exactly. That's Man, one of the best. That is one of the best. That's a really good segment, moment, whatever you want to call it, crowd reaction. Yeah. Uh, and that's another shot over at WCW. Not that that you know, make, makes a difference, but it was. It was like, wow, we got this guy now. Yeah. It was a big, big deal. It was a big change. We, and, you know, we, we sort of knew it was Jericho, but at the same time when it was, again, it's the exhale. As it is. I keep bringing up. Yes, but it like, is. It's the exhale now. It's the holy shit, it's really him, and holy shit, he's going to feed with The Rock. What is your name? I told you! It doesn't matter what your name is! How awesome was that? That that's his first confrontation? Yeah, because I was personally, Joe, uh, I've told you that you know this, I... I love was Jericho. on the Chris Jericho train um, before he even turned heel in WCW. Sure, like, you always I, loved him, right? I was the the minute I saw him, I the Lionheart. <laughs> there was something about him. I, I liked his finisher. He mm-hmm. did the he did a backflip. I was like, yeah. this guy is unbelievable. Sure, he's plucky. He's young. You know, there's going to be a future to this thing. Uh huh. You know, you felt like I got to get on the Chris Jericho bandwagon right away because this guy's something, right? And to see him show up at the big time. Mm-hmm. And not only that, to, to them, for them to say, you're not only going to show up, it's going to show up against a guy that is arguably, um, the way they treated him, he was like neck and neck with Austin. By that point, yes. The Rock. Yep. Wow. Uh, wow, indeed. Uh, it, it, was, it, it was like humbling for Chris Jericho, <laughs> yeah. if you think about it. It's like, yeah. this is how valuable you are. Sure. You know? Well, 
We got a lot of stuff. At, at this point, and I don't mind it, our, our show's going to be running as long as a current episode of Raw. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, again, whatever. Uh, this is a special. Tune in on Monday for a regular show. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Quinn, we got to put something on here. Uh, we still have tri- um, we still have Triple H versus Jericho from May of 2000, the, the non-title change. Okay. Let's um, put a moratorium on adding stuff. Fine. Let's just start restricting stuff. Because we're not going to think of everything, folks. That's why we solicited from you, and that's why you're free to tell us your... And I think the fans have uh, They've had a good input into this so far. I absolutely think so. Uh, I'll tell you what. Let's listen to another fan for a minute here, just okay. to kind of take a breather. This is James Krismer, who you might know on the internet as Art O'Donnell. <laughs> He's a very funny personality on the internet on Twitter, and he used to have a blog where he reviewed Monday Night Raw episode by episode. Uh, so let's take a listen to James here. My favorite Raw memory is the one uh, from before the 96 Royal Rumble. And uh, Goldust is supposed to have an interview. And Doc Hendricks has got the scoop backstage uh, that Razor Ramon is on his way. And he's going to give Goldust a piece of his mind, or uh, as Doc Hendricks put it, Razor's going to kick his butt. And because my brothers and I taped this episode, we got to replay that over and over again throughout the years. So in the interview, Goldust makes Vince... Really, really uncomfortable, implying that our TV announcer has an erection. Is that an extra microphone in your pants? Or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> Look at my pants, mate! Uh, before quoting Tootsie, 1982. And afterwards, uh, Doc tries getting another interview with Goldust backstage, but Razor jumps him from behind and throws a trash can at him. And everyone's yelling, there's chaos, the refs are yelling, Vince is yelling, Razor is yelling. But it all abruptly stops as Goldust gives Razor a shot to the groin. That's, those are the exact words, a shot to the groin. And then it all goes silent. And then they have a commercial, and then afterwards... Uh, Goldust is trying to leave. He's got a trench coat. He's putting it over his bodysuit. I'm wondering if that's how he enters and exits every show or if this is just because he's in a hurry. But Razor jumps him, and the best part was Doc yelling out, for everyone to hear, uh, which goes uncensored. And they end up fighting outside in the snow. And then Goldust makes a getaway in his car, and Razor throws a different trash can. And this was the first backstage brawl I'd ever seen, the first low blow I'd ever seen in wrestling, the first time I'd ever heard the word homophobic, although it's important to remember that Goldust certainly doesn't represent the gay community, or any community for that matter. His alleged sexual preference not the issue here. <laughs> oh, God, thanks, uh, Art O'Donnell. See, this <laughs> is the kind of stuff with Raw, it's like, yes. especially in that time... <laughs> everyone can have a unique yes. experience and their favorite moment and there's no good there's going to be no definitive rush more no and i just want to for the record here uh, james here art o'donnell he did all his own editing i didn't put any of those clips in <laughs> that's how i got this file he also faded it at the end there that wasn't me oh, that's great so that was awesome uh that's a nice little memory there you know joe yes michael in listening to that clip yeah it had me thinking you know on a different track. Um, oh God, here we go. Regarding the final Countdown. nominees here. Uh, yes. Honestly, the ones that stand out to the top right now, mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the, the pipe bomb yeah, and the Jericho, which Jericho, the, the, the debut on raw. I Ugh. really, I, I can't in terms of impact, right? I, it's all the CM Punk thing. And, and memory memories. I mean, mm. w- the CM Punk clip is one of the, the rare times also that they took advantage of YouTube by putting that on the internet. Yeah. 
because I've watched that clip. I, I'm kind of almost embarrassed to say, but I've watched it so many times. I know like, you have. I really like enjoy it. Like I genuinely enjoy it as a okay. moment. Um, Not that embarrassing. That's okay, yeah. Quinn. Um, the Jericho, the same. I've seen a million times. Love it. Love it. It's great. It's funny. It's fantastic. Are there any other really memorable title changes? I suppose not, right? Title changes? Nothing on the par with Foley. Nothing close to it. Um, Triple H won his first world title on Raw. Yeah, but... And his second one. Wasn't it supposed to happen at SummerSlam or whatever? That's why it's not that great. Yeah. Uh, Man. As far as if we're we're talking matches... Match. I'd probably say with the best match... Yep. This is going to sound weird, but probably one of the best matches ever was that Shawn Michaels versus John Cena, like an hour long match or whatever Excellent. on Raw. Excellent. Like, it's probably like literally the best match on Raw ever. Um, you know what else was really good was Austin and Michaels versus Owen and Bulldog for the tag titles May of 97. Yes. And there's Fantastic. also a famous um, Voldemort and somebody match versus Triple H that, that allegedly, as far as the stars are concerned. Jericho and, and Voldemort yeah. versus Triple H and Austin. Yeah. Right before Triple H had the quad in- that might have been the quad injury match. I can't yeah, remember. I know that match is very highly rated yes. though, as far as matches are concerned. Match. But if we're talking impact and I don't necessarily agree that the CM Punk thing led to a good direction um in terms of now. <laughs> However, a it- lot of it got diluted, but that yes. had nothing to do with the moment no. in itself. I know, and it was transformative. It was needed. It was timely. It was the right guy doing the right thing at the right time. It was and a necessary step. That is what all of these things are about, right? Is is things that matter, things that maybe shape the landscape. Are there more than four folks? Yes. And your mileage absolutely should vary yeah. in terms of your preference. But I will, if you want to, Quinn, turn my wow. key on the pipe bomb. I don't have the same cathartic connection to it that I do with the Chris Jericho debut, but this is more important, I think. Yes. And, and, and I do love I do love it. You can't deny that it's what brought a lot of the mainstream to wrestling in a weird weird way in a roundabout way i did not expect when it happened because if you recall that is the moment you can point to and say that's when all of a sudden pop culture blogs started talking about wrestling yeah all of a sudden it became something espn was talking like and it's weird it there's something there there's something that that resonated with a lot of people yeah with that moment yeah and i don't know i it i still don't fully comprehend it but I respect it. Yes. And I, and there's something that even I just watch it over again. And I'm just like, this is captivating. There's something interesting here. And it's amazing. It was just one of those moments, much like the Bret Hart shoving Vince on his ass moment, where it was the sign of something to come. Yeah. It isn't in its own bubble that important, but what it led to, it did matter. Yeah. Um, and it was just great. I, I, I thought it was important. I yeah. thought, again, timely. It was very timely. Yeah. And a lot of times the most important things are because of timing. It was the truest commentary on the product at that point in time. It was. And not something like that hadn't been heard since the days of Vince Russo showing up on Livewire. Yeah, exactly. And it was a kind of a callback to that. I'll put it in for number four if you want, Quinn. Let's do it. CM Punk's Pipe Bomb 2011. We have finally come up with our Mount Rushmore of Monday Night Raw. I'll recap for Donnie. Donnie's out there. Uh, We have Austin Stunning McMahon in the garden, in the garden, September 97. We have Mankind winning the title. um, December of 98 aired on January 4th, 99 Raw. We have the ending to the March 17th, 1997 Raw. 
And we have CM Punk's first pipe bomb. I don't know the date offhand, but I know it was 2011. That's our Mount Rushmore. Quinn, I suggest here, why don't we take a break? Why don't we hear from uh, Scott Keith in the meantime? See what he has to say. And when we come back, we'll hit you with our Death Valley back after this. Hey guys, so um, I guess you could say my favorite and least favorite Raw memories came pretty close to within each other. Uh, My least favorite I'll start with, I guess, because that happened first, which had to be fake Razor and fake Diesel. Pretty much one of the low points for the WWF, I feel like, and really embarrassing to see as a fan. Just reeked of desperation, you know, made made you feel like you're watching a, a second-rate TV show filled with second-rate characters. And I mean, I understand now the reasoning behind it, but uh, it was just brutal to sit through. Uh, but right away after that, then we hit upon my favorite Raw memory of all time, which is actually the rebranding into Raw is War, which is when things swung in the complete opposite direction and made you feel like you're watching a brand new, fresh show that was competitive and, and like a hot and exciting show that was out to compete with Nitro. Instead of just kind of rolling over and putting over the you know same old crap and four week old taping cycles and that kind of stuff, and then you know really made you feel like you were watching something uh, exciting and meaningful again. So that was uh, really awesome as well. And of course, that was immediately followed up by the Heart Foundation angle and all kinds of really cool stuff as well. So those are just my uh, the ones that I came to offhand for my favorite and least favorite. And uh, hope you enjoy. Thank you. Well, thank you, Scott Keith, and welcome back, wrestling fans, to. Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, Raw 25 Special. That was Scott Keith, our Canadian connection, Quinn. Yep, and I think he made a good point about the rebranding there, just since we're past the Rushmore, just to Absolutely. acknowledge uh, the rebranding being March when 3rd, the Titan Tron yep. appeared, yep. basically. March 10th, 97, yep. Yeah. I mean, in fact, the Bret Hart promo that we mentioned, that's only the second week of, of the rebranding. Right. That quick, like, out of the gate, they were fucking around. Yeah, you I mean, I, I assume that that's right after Vince also told everyone... We're going to make it like Jerry Springer or yeah. whatever that famous yeah. uh, thing is. There was a dump-ass Raw from Berlin where the, oh, God, it actually yeah. had a very good match of the Bulldog and Owen in the European title finals. Yeah, but nobody cared. Nobody cared. Yeah. But that, that dump-ass like filmed <laughs> with like my like handheld VHS camera from when I was a kid. Yeah, as, as the kids would say, dank. It yes. was very dank. Yeah, the um, dankest. It was <laughs> absolutely dankest Raw. And then we had Raw's War. Um, so thank you, Scott. But you know, Quinn, it is time for the Death Valley here. And Scott started us off with a bit of a bang here because yeah. the fake razor and diesel in september 96 that is ugh, that's, garbage that's putrid and that is right before raw starts to get good again but guess what before it got good again it got bad mm-hmm. and that fake razor and diesel thing was but yeah <laughs> first hello senior ross i want to say thank you muchas gracias man that was something all right wasn't it it was I, something <laughs> And you know what, you know, hurt more with it? What's Not that? just that they were desperate and they were just like, we own the character, so let's put yeah. it on. Mm-hmm. But was they latched JR onto it, like yeah. evil JR? Yeah. Turned heel. T- terrible. Um, I didn't like it. You know what's even, I'll, here will be my first pick and then you can have one. I don't think you're going to like this. Okay. The Billionaire Ted skits. That was something I was going to bring up, actually. Awesome. Because um, that. Is that a serious contender here? It's a serious contender. Again, it's it's raw and it's most desperate, right? Petty. And they were really excited for it, the way I remember it, too. Remember, you remember yeah. they were, like, hyping it up and everything? The first one, the first Billionaire Ted skit was okay. It was like, all right, this is cute. They're making fun of Ted Turner and Hogan. They're old. But Went then on they, for weeks. Weeks, like months until WrestleMania 12. What won't you do to put the WWF out of business? Uh, 
Well, hell, I, I won't use my own money. I mean, that'd be just out of... What? What, 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 I, what, say, is something wrong, or... It was one of the worst things they ever It was ever actually did. It was really mean-spirited, just really jerky. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, if you want to talk about uh, mean-spirited and jerky and just stupid in general, what yes. about the, the Rosie O'Donnell thing? Thank you, because that's another one. I think someone earlier brought that up. Yeah. Man, does that suck. Fuck your head! Look here, Porky. I'm just telling you what's going to go on. You're fine. I'm going to tell you. That is one of the most horrible things I've ever seen on TV. Period. End of story. Regardless of why it It was two actors that were doing a horrible job acting and they didn't look like the people they were supposed to. And the crowd booed the entire fucking thing. I can't believe it was like even green lit to be on TV. I'm putting it on as number one if you're okay with it. It it is rooted in like Vince's sense of humor that's out of touch. Yes, and was Um, never in touch really. Yeah, but it, it, it like in its darkest form like it, it's like raw unadulterated horribleness absolutely like, and petty and stupid and yeah. who cared like no one wanted to see that yeah except vincent kennedy mcmahon yeah for number one mm-hmm. rosie versus trump fake fake rosie versus fake trump number one yeah. die 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 thankfully that's out of the way you know yeah. there is a lot of bad stuff about monday night raw probably I'd say in its 25-year history, there's a good smattering of, of, of excellent things. Mm-hmm. Then there's a lot of mediocre, and then there's some bad. Would, would you agree? I would say there's mostly mediocre. Yeah. It takes a lot in a show that has so much stuff to say, no, this is like really like unacceptably bad. Exactly, and that's what we're searching for here. Yeah. That's one of them, though. Mm-hmm. That Rosie O'Donnell thing is absolutely one of them. What Vin- about... Go ahead. When Vince um, tried to compete with the cruiserweight division and brought in all those like minor <laughs> league AAA people, like, and they were horrible. Yeah, that was the era in gosh, early '97, where you had like Cybernetico and Heavy P- Metal, P- my Ruff, yeah, yeah, Heavy Metal, Latin Lover, yeah, Latin Lover. <laughs> <laughs> These were some of the most putrid cruiserweight matches you could possibly find like they were all the people they're that, awful it felt like wcw like looked at these people and were like we don't want them yeah and, and that's why they were there talk about being tone deaf i mean the reason the reason the wcw cruisers got over is because not only were they good wrestlers they were given the proper stage to showcase their talents and they were proven too over in ecw a lot of them yeah or japan or wherever yeah what vince did is he he basically bought half the triple a guys mm-hmm. you know aaa uh, which is lucha it's not it's not cruiserweight that's the yeah. problem yeah and then he's like here do it five minutes and no one gave a shit it spoke to that vince didn't understand what the cruiserweight division was and right. like why it was so popular right because it was treated very seriously in wcw he didn't get it like in wcw the cruiserweight division was like it was just as important as the tv title or the u.s yeah, title right like it was an important belt and you had some pound for pound fantastic wrestlers like your dean malenko's and your ray mysterio's and ultima dragon and the wrestlers were so good that they would move to like other divisions correct because sure. they, it was just so good wasn't chris jericho in the cruiser to start yeah. with right yep and you got Juventud, a bunch of guys but wwf was just like well we'll get the flippy guys too Right, and that's what it reeked of, and that's what bothered me about yes. it. it, it, it I didn't just, like it. It just was, like, terrible. It, it, it made, it's almost mean-spirited. It's, like, insulting Yeah. Um, right. to, like, how good WCW had done something. Sure. And how bad and misunderstood the WWE perceived it. 
Thank you. And, th- and that's not often that happened, but that was a, a major case that that happened. I do want to mention one. It's called Katie Vick. Oh. Oh, God. Is that almost an automatic? That's got to be an automatic, right? It's I, Triple H I, having... I've tried to erase it from my memory. I don't even want to really talk about it. All you got to know is that, like, Kane? Triple H, Dead Corpse... Kane Mask. Kane Mask. He was basically... Okay. We never talk about this because it's really bad. Yeah. And, like, I don't even want to make it funny. I'm, I'm not offended. It's just, like... It's not, like, funny bad. It's, no, like, it's offensive just, it's just bad. It's bad, yeah. yeah. It's basically this. Triple H was a heel, and he was feuding with... What is this? O two O three. It's, like, O like two. Yeah. Yeah, because Kane still had the mask on. Mm-hmm. So it's O two, 2 uh, Or maybe early O three, 3 but whatever. Um, and Kane was a face. Triple H is a heel. Kane had apparently had a girlfriend, which... Like in a previous earlier years, which is weird because I thought Kane was always disfigured and in hiding his whole yeah, life. But who knows? But whatever. Um, and I guess he accidentally killed her. Mm-hmm. Right? Was it a car accident or something? I can't I don't remember. remember much of the details. I just remember a segment where there was like a corpse or something, yes. and Triple H was like touching it and yes. like well pretending to yeah exactly. do more than touch it yeah to touch it with his uh, hoo ha there right and that is just look. There's worse things on television. Yeah. There were not worse things on Raw. <laughs> yes. That's worse than the Rosie O'Donnell thing. We just didn't mention it first. I, I honestly forgot it yeah, because so it's I. just something I just don't think about. Like, it, it's just so unacceptable. <laughs> it is. Like, to me, I personally, yeah. it's fucked up. And it, and it, it Death Valley that. Yeah. It, it, like, instantly. <laughs> Ironically. Yeah. Die, die, die. Uh, <laughs> if you want to know more, look it up. It's stupid, it's bad, and it's not fun. I want to go, Quinn, to Jordan Rubenstein for some uh, insight here. Now, folks, we have a few more to play, a few more clips. You're going to hear people say they're best of also. I mean, that's just to fill in any gaps that we forgot during Rushmore. Yeah. And I'll, we'll comment if it's something we, we truly talked mi- about. Yeah. missed just to give it its due. Yep. Now, Jordan Rubenstein is someone I had never heard of, not a member of the Facebook group that I know of, mm-hmm. but emailed this to us. This was the last entry, and he made it just in time. So, Jordan Rubenstein, let's hear what he has to say, Quinn. Hey, guys, this is your neighbor from New Jersey, Jordan. Just want to tell you what I love about Raw from the last 25 years. I was honored to have been in attendance at MSG the night that Triple H returned in 2002. That was an incredible night crowd was electric, one of the loudest pops I have ever heard. JR was not lying. I was also there in 2003 at MSG, the night that Kane unmasked, and then the night after WrestleMania 29, when Ziggler cashed in here in Jersey, that place went ballistic. Just three awesome moments. Uh, I've probably attended at least two dozen Raws over the course of the last 25 years, and I got to say, those three things were truly special. Uh, I loved every second of them, and uh, I can't wait for what you guys have to say on the podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jordan. Those yeah, are uh, those are good moments. Solid moments. Um, I know the Triple H return was Huge. a big deal at oh the time. Oh, my gosh. Kane, I'm asking, I didn't like. I thought uh, you that didn't was, like it? No, not at all. The fake hair and everything. I mean, there was something about it that was... Um, Oh, that's really cool. But the problem with it was that after it, it was like, okay. It just, just took all the mystery out of Kane, right? Yeah, and then he was just bald Kane for like a yeah, long time. Yeah, it was time. something you wanted to see, but after you saw it and you got the you got the gratification, yeah. you were just like, okay. And now he's bald and doesn't have a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> that's what yeah. happened. And then the Dolph Ziggler 
the night after WrestleMania 29. I which mean, is also another thing yes, that happened which you. started a precedent. Um, that was the Fandango night. That was the Fandango night. That was the night where WWE also finally acknowledged that the night after WrestleMania Raw is like important and Yeah, or deci- decided it was important, yes. Yeah, I mean, and that they were going to <laughs> say it on TV yeah. every year. And now it's uh, now it's just a thing. Yeah. Because anytime WWE WWEifies it, now it's a thing. You know what right. I mean? It used to be organic. Now it's not. Now it's forced. Now it has to be a thing. Regarding Ziggler, that was a moment. Um, it was. I never liked Dolph Ziggler. A lot of ever, people, ever. you know, they, they think about it afterwards they, that he never really amounted to anything. But at the time, there was real momentum um, yeah. and fan support right. behind this guy that was putting on good matches. Mm-hmm. He said, why doesn't he get to be a world champion? And sure. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. It was... It was it was something. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really liked him. I just didn't. I just didn't like Dolph Ziggler, but I get it. Um, someone earlier, I think it was Keith Langston, mentioned Hogan and Beefcake in 93. Yes. Because I already don't like Hulk Hogan in 93. Yeah. And I like Beefcake even less. Them being on Raw was like, get the fuck off this show. We don't yeah. want you here anymore. It was bad. Um, it's not Death Valley, but it needs to be mentioned. It's not Death Valley because I am amused just because the parasailing face mask... <laughs> Is, yeah. is amazing right um but no it, it it hogan on raw is weird it, it, his entire history of being on raw is weird like yeah. remember when the nwo came back yeah that was okay neither yeah. here nor there i would say you yeah. know what i mean it, it wasn't yeah. one of the best things or worst it was fun that he hulk hogan was, fun. was back it was fun yep uh, what do you think about uh putting billionaire ted on is there something worse what do you um, think we got two on so far i can't i can't go with that uh um, not yet not yet okay not yet. Anything very bad sticking out for you of any era? Um, one thing that sticks out is that whole era we talked about from like about ninety four to like till late ninety six. That whole minor leagueness of it, yeah. Like that, I, it's really hard to describe. It's you have to see it. It's like smoky, smoky and like yeah. and like uh, like I always joke with aircraft hangers, yeah. but like fuck, it's so. Like, it makes you feel like the product has downturned. Absolutely. Um, there's just a, an aura to it. That that whole aura of that era. The the aura of the era, yeah. The the, the period of time where the big highlight is seeing Duke the Dumpster Drozy, you know, in right. action. That type of stuff. Right. Where it's just gray and you can see the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> I never like seeing the ceiling I when think they do this. I think it's definitely, like, the memory of Raw that sticks out as, like, some of the worst. Just the, the arenas. The arenas you know? yeah, from that era, and I, I, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's upsetting, you know? I'll tell you what I don't like in the midst of a very hot period is the corporate ministry Aha. era. Yes. I don't like it. I didn't like 1999, and that's the one of the main reasons, is that you had the corporation, you had the ministry, hey, let's merge them, and, and there's like 27 people in this piece of shit thing. Well, would you say this, Joe? Yeah. That the worst part about it was the it's me all along Austin moment? Yeah, and I don't remember who said that earlier, but I actually would say that. Yeah. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! Damn, I cannot believe he's... Here's the reason why. After this whole damn thing mm-hmm. of wh- where it kind of made sense until this, where Vince had been a heel, Austin had been a face, they did not like each other, right? This was well established. Yep. Finally, in right after WrestleMania 15, it, it comes about where Shane is, is actually being even worse than his dad. Right. To the point where Shane 
merges the corporation with Undertaker's ministry. Right, which seemed like unstoppable. It was like right. ultimate NWO right. like sized faction. So Vince is at odds with Shane. Meanwhile, Undertaker kidnaps Stephanie. Where to Stephanie? Uh-huh. And the only person that can really truly help is Steve Austin. So there's right. this very tentative kind of loose alliance for a little while that's an actual good moment the, the moment where love. austin saves her yes that's actually one of the the f- best like austin as a face things right because even austin wasn't going to stand for that yeah it's and, like this guy screwed up this yeah. is messed up so vince is actually a face for this brief period of time for like two months about maybe is, not is even. this when the union comes along or is that yeah, something else because that's yes. ho- that's fucking horrible him and mankind and test and shamrock whatever the union is it's very bad the worst but but even worse is the way they pay off this angle so this whole time undertaker's now crowing about how he's got a higher power you know because remember he's this is satan taker yeah so we're gonna finally reveal the higher power yeah and it's not big fat paul bear or anything no. like that the higher power folks that's been orchestrating this whole thing <laughs> is vince mcmahon yeah that's not good it's 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 too much it's too rich as you will like yes. it's like come on like it's too thick here why is he why, why would he do that all just to screw over austin like and it didn't even screw over it didn't austin even, <laughs> that's the whole point it, it never worked <laughs> it so did, who cares yeah, right <laughs> i mean was it like the idea the only thing i can think of is like now i have 27 people so now i can really beat steve austin but half now. of them suck anyway yeah. and like austin i mean like, naked minions in there so like <laughs> let's be real here. well he had clothes on still but yes point well taken gangrel was in there or yeah. somebody i hated it because it was the worst version of vince russo storytelling yeah it really is it was the it was shock for the sake of a shock not like or swerve for the sake of a swerve yeah, i guess same is shit. the wrestling term for but it either way crash tv for the sake of crash tv mm-hmm. it, it didn't lead anywhere and no. i was like oh austin mcmahon still don't like each other like what you it didn't st- accomplish anything because you, all you did was go back to where you were to begin with okay you know yeah, what I'm saying? I would put that in. I, I remember that being a point of contention for a lot of people. It took a lot of people out of it. It did. Which was, it was one of the first big missteps. It, it, yeah, during um, a hot period. Yeah. From a creative point of view. I mean, obviously the wrestling was And they kind of swept but. it under the rug pretty quickly. They did because by the time this was happening, thankfully, and I, I know this sounds weird, thankfully Triple H was on the rise. Right. And actually did re-inject some life into the main event scene. It was different. It was different, you know, mm-hmm. and this is kind of the just the pits, you know, the the, yeah. the dump of the Austin McMahon feud that no one ever talks about because it was so shitty. So I would say for number three, if you're okay with it, the higher power angle. Sure. All right, number three. Die, die, die. All right, Quinn. I, uh, I got one. I w- okay, good. And then we'll go to someone else. What about the McMahon Helmsley era, as it was called? Which uh, one? A- from 2000, 2000 the, or 2013 and 14? Okay. I'm saying the... Um, the initial run, and I only say it because at by the end of it, not the beginning of it. The beginning of it was good, mm-hmm. but by the end of it, it was so defeating to the fan base. Um, and I feel like it took a lot of people out of it to the point where it was really only repaired, you know, by Austin and, and, and The Rock at 17. 17. Like, it was like everything it just felt so endless it was exhausting to watch raw um you know just never fucking lost here's the problem i i I get where you're going i want to point something out for the sake of um storytelling purposes um folks by by the way folks if you notice i'm not going 
ultra crazy with the editing on this one because we're really trying to focus on the on the moments of Raw um, and speaking about them yeah. versus just me dubbing in, in each and every single one. Yeah. <laughs> so forgive me on that, but this is a Thursday special. Yeah. But <laughs> what was great about that angle was from Jan- December 99 when Stephanie turned on McMahon at mm-hmm. Armageddon until about September of 2000. It all made sense. Yeah, but by September of 2000, it was so fatiguing. So what had happened was the love triangle with Kurt Angle that everyone loved. Right. That was great. And what it was leading up to, if you, and no one seems to ever remember this, Triple H turned face mm-hmm. for like two months, yeah. a month, because he was wronged. Angle was screwing him over mm-hmm. and setting him up and making him look bad. And it was perfect. And you know what happened in late 2000, Quinn? Stephanie McMahon took control of creative. And you know what one of the things she did was? Turn Triple H back to heel and reunited with her, and that's where it was fatiguing. Yep. The love triangle aspect was awesome storytelling. Everyone loved it. It was comedic. It was funny, but you felt bad for Triple H because he was getting fucked over. Yep. And then all of a sudden, Stephanie just pulled the plug on that. Well, because Stephanie can't be the, the, the heel here. Right. It was awful. Yeah. And then that just drags on and on, like you said, into 01. Mm-hmm. And then there's still the focus because then they're feuding in 02. Yep. I, I just, <laughs> it really, to me. It had a rep- good, like, eight months. The problem is, is that it had a good start, but the the ultimate end to it all felt like all the stuff mm-hmm. that took the Attitude Era down and, and yes. ended it. It, it. You're That's the thing. You're right. The, the Just too much of them. Like, just too much. I, I Enough. I enough. Know. Enough. I don't know. If I didn't it, want to watch the fucking <laughs> show by the end of it. I, like, I know. I agree. I don't know if that can make it, though. Let's, let's see what else we have. We have a few more here. Let's hear from a how to hell Mick Price here. <laughs> hey, gentlemen. This is Mick from the Facebook group. Your friendly neighborhood, Carrie Von Eric Insulter. I just wanted to share my memories of Monday Night Raw. The three that really stand out for me include Britt going off on his tirade on McMahon prior to WrestleMania 13. The setup to WrestleMania 14 with Tyson and Austin. And Chris Jericho winning the WWF title in 2000 right after, right after WrestleMania 16. When it comes to the worst, I would have to say that Tops was the Triple H and Steiner setup from the Royal Rumble 2003. It actually made me turn my TV off for a few months. There was also the never-ending gang wars between Nation of Domination, Los Periquas, and Disciples of Apocalypse, which just kept going and going and going from about 97 to sometime last week. And to me, no worse memory of Raw could not include Katie Vick being revealed in 2002 because the only thing it led up to was King Triple H taking the Intercontinental title and unifying it with the big gold belt. However, overall, it seems like there have been more positive than negative memories of Monday Night Raw. Thank you, Joe and Quinn, for the podcast and for letting me be able to share my thoughts. Hope y'all have a good one. <laughs> Thank you, man. How many different days did you record that on, Mick? <laughs> what was that? Oh, man, we but love we, you, Mick. We, we love you, man. We love Just you. joking. But I, I you think said some good stuff. That, Bad, good know, stuff. You know, yes. he makes a fair point about the nation, Los Bariquas, DOA, uh, DOA thing. That was like, it, it, 97 that, was great, but that's not one of the reasons why. 97 was great, but it also included too much of that. Yeah, uh, I agree. It there was, was just too like much. Every, 
week there was like some meaningless match again with like Jose Luis Rivera, yeah. whoever the hell was in that the faction. hairy guy, yeah, the, the, the hairy one and the not hairy one, and they had the hats versus oh, like the, the Harris twins bikers, God. and it, it was just bad. like they were like the most interchangeable like jobbers. Like you're right, it was like twelve people that sucked, and 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 Farouk, yeah, he was good. Ah, oh, shit, that was bad. What about um? What about the Steiner Triple H thing, though? That was really bad. Ugh, I Scott mean, Steiner, remember that? Yeah, when he just came back and it was like, "Why are you here?" Here's the thing: is that as bad as it was, it was just not even memorable. It's True. not even like in a bad way memorable. Okay. That's what fair. about that time that um, like Kevin Nash came back or something? <laughs> Where, well, <laughs> something with a cell phone. Th- there's a couple of times Kevin Nash came back. One of them, it was uh, when he came back and interrupted the freaking uh. CM Punk. That's what I'm talking Triple about. H feud. So, because yeah. he got a phone call or yeah. something. What the fuck was that? But that it was on Raw. Like I remember there I'm was sure something was. about the revealing of the phone call it was on Raw, and it was like the dumbest thing ever. What about when the revealing of the anonymous GM was Hornswoggle? What about Hornswoggle? Just <laughs> as a thing. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got a bad one, Quinn. Yeah. Make the stage falling on Vince McMahon. <laughs> I think I could top you actually which, which is awesome yeah. which is a bad one too but it's also like mildly entertaining it is so i can't oh, put it in can't feel my what legs. about the time that um the new dx right with a, or not the new but like you know the reformed dx yeah they went under the ring into the midget world that really happened didn't it yes sean and, and triple h like into hornswoggle's like universe which is under the ring <sighs> that really and, happened and remember they had they were in little people's court yeah, I unfortunately blocked out some of this. And, <laughs> that is one of Joe. Oh, God. That's like one of those, like, it's on par with, like, Rosie and Trump as far as just, like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck am I watching? Seriously. At least that's, like, more of, like, surrealistic humor. The Rosie and Trump thing is just, like, why are you doing this? Yeah, but, but I you're mean, right. Midget Court. Midget Court. It was really weird. Um, I'm still high on the Billionaire Ted skits, man. Going it's close. In. They're they're really bad too and petty. I also I think it would be it would be right to bring up someone named Rob Bartlett. You know what's so funny? Yeah. I literally before you said somebody, I yeah. was gonna. He was like the next one, Joe. Like I would. <laughs> Like, cause of blah, 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 stop and all that shit. Now, like, Rob Bartlett already made an appearance on Rushmore or Death Valley for 1993. And I just want to play this clip because I love this clip so much. It's so good. Unaware, Papa Saga pulling up from the line. Always pulling into the ring. He's going to flip, flip it all around. Stop! <laughs> now, what you're hearing there just um, is for no reason Rob Bartlett did an episode of Raw. Uh, dressed, an entire episode. An entire episode dressed as Vince McMahon and doing that impression. He, The real Vince was doing something, so Gorilla was there with Bobby, and the whole show, Gorilla and Bobby are so sick of this, like, in real life, that they're, like, teaming up. It's as close to Art Donovan, just yeah. on Raw, as yeah. you're gonna get. It's worse than Art Donovan, yeah. because he's offensive. Yeah. The problem with him, Art Donovan was curious, and Art Donovan wanted to know what was going Art on. Art Donovan genuinely oddly cared yeah he was like, like well this isn't fair you yeah. know like rob Bartlett was making fun of wrestling live on the air mm-hmm. from january until april horrible and vince mcmahon finally realized like what the fuck have i done here yeah you know it, i think he regretted it the day 
the first Raw, you can hear it in his voice. Mm-hmm. But he knew that, like, ah, oh, shit, I hired this guy. I gotta wait now. Ah, that might really be close. That might really be close, Joe. I know. Like, holy shit. I know. He's so annoying. He was really bad. And it's a shame because the product's trying to get started, Raw. <laughs> it's surprised Raw survived. I know. If you think about it. And Bobby Heenan stuck on the outside. Yeah. Bullshit. You but- know what? Wait. There's yeah, one ahead. other thing. Go ahead. Raw Bull. <laughs> Raw Bull's really bad, yes. Holy it is bad. shit. I it recently is. watched that. That might be the worst episode of Raw I've ever seen. It's not like, the worst. Quote. Are you Come on. sure? As a whole episode, yeah, I'm the sure whole there's... Earl dressed up like an NFL ref, the What's whole like the ring has like yards on it, and then like this weird match that doesn't make any sense where you can like tag. Yeah, it's weird. The Raw Bull like, is weird, yes. It's terrible. I'll tell you what's bad. Uh, it happened on a Thursday. It was called Thursday Raw Thursday, and it was when Shawn Michaels lost his smile. Come on now. That's I, horrible, Quinn. Yeah, but it's, it's not. It's horrible, Quinn. It's not bit worse than the Raw Bull. Yeah, it is. The Raw Bull? At least the Raw Bull is wrestling. <sighs> Shawn was like, oh, I can't even, I lost my smile. I'm going to not lose. I'm not going to wrestle. He fucking wrestled like two months later. He's such a, he was, he was so that, full of that, shit. That's a Death Valley for like Shawn something Michaels else. Career. Yeah, that's not. That's not raw. That's not the worst thing on raw. I think the billionaire Ted is up there. Yeah, and Rob Bartlett. Rob Bartlett. How yeah. about fake Razor Diesel? Fake Razor Diesel. Why don't we hop the pond? Let's see what uh, our friend Richard Land has to say. Sure. I don't. I don't remember if he has a best and and worst, but we're just gonna hear from Richie. See what he has to say. Let's do it. Hey chaps, this is Richard Land, and my favorite memory of Monday Night Raw has to be pretty much the entire Austin McMahon feud. From the slow growth of Mr. McMahon into their first match in April 98 and then all the crazy stuff like the Zamboni incident, cement truck, bedpan McMahon, nothing tops that for me and I can watch all that back today with great enjoyment. Cheerio. <laughs> Thank you, Richie. Thank you, Richie. Yeah, I can still hear the bingo calling yeah, out. <laughs> yep, I always quote that, Richie. Next, I'm we have two fat ladies. Two fat ladies. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um, those are great moments that he brought up there. So, um, a little justification. That's good. We brought up those McMahon-Austin feud, the moments. It's good. Yeah, we forgot the bedpan. We did. That, that's The birth awesome. of Mr. Sokka. Yeah, same thing. You know what's another bad raw moment? Though? Yeah, sure. This is may not make it but i i need to bring it up remember the yeah. time the ultimate warrior had the hat on yeah how with much, jerry lawler yeah just the warrior like being there in 96 it was is bad. so bad it was right? bad yes they didn't know how to book him properly or yeah. they didn't want to and it was just junky also gold dust in a diaper also big show in a diaper yes anything big, in a diaper uh farouk in a gladiator costume yeah but that it i it's bad can tolerate that as opposed to Big Show or Goldust in a diaper. Okay. What about like uh, just the endless occupational gimmicks that we had to deal with in 95, 96, like T.L. Yep. Hopper and the race car driver, Bob Holly. What about the Truth Commission on Raw? <laughs> <laughs> and when, when they the had the Commandant, common don, not, not, not the, the other guy. Out of nowhere. Not like, Don Callis. I'm here to take over. Like, what the, who the fuck? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> that is some weird ass uh, raw shit. Like Kurgan being there. Kurgan. Kurgan, the yeah. era of Kurgan. Giant Silva anything on Raw. Any Divas matches from like 1999 <laughs> until three years ago. Oh my god. Except for Trish and Lita. Yeah, that when they main evented yeah, Raw. That, was, that was really good actually. That was actually good. Um, you know what? Let's go to Petey. I want to okay. hear from Petey. Now Petey's clip I think is about 27 minutes long. Okay. You're going to just feel like you're listening to W uh, to um, GF Allentown but here's Petey Winston folks. Let's see what he has to say. 
Hello, wrestling fans. Peter Winson from the Greetings from Allentown podcast, checking in with my raw memory for the Our Vantage Point podcast. And it's not so much the entire raw that I want to go into because this was a two-hour raw from June 1st, 1998, the very heart of the Attitude Era. What I want to focus on is the first 10 minutes of the show, which is among my favorite 10 minutes of wrestling television ever. This show had a lot of stuff going on. There's a Nation DX six-man elimination tag. There's an Undertaker versus Kane match in the main event with Steve Austin on commentary bickering back and forth with Mr. McMahon. There are vignettes for a debuting wrestler named Edge, whose vignettes I liked better than his actual character for years to come. And a Mark Henry versus Terry Funk match where... Terry does a crazy acai moonsault and lands on the guardrail. But the first 10 minutes of this show is a promo like many Raws we saw before and since then. But this is not a long, drawn-out Triple H promo for nothing. This is the ultimate Vince McMahon moment. And Mick Foley is there to help him as well. This is something that I loved so much on videotape, on a VHS, that I don't remember exactly how I did this, but I probably got a microphone onto my computer at the time, and I recorded the entire thing so that I could cut it up and use the various Vince clips of him yelling at Mick Foley. Quinn, does he realize that this is our show? Your services are no longer required. Other stuff like... You're an embarrassment to yourself, and dare I say, you're an embarrassment to your very own family. All you do is make me sick. And this is after a great heartfelt promo by Mick Foley, who had lost at Over the Edge to Austin the night before one of the most classic Attitude Era pay-per-view main events that ever was. And he's trying to apologize to Vince in the way Mr. McMahon just has none of it. I just loved every minute of it. I made it all the error messages on my computer from that point forward. When I would sign off my computer, it would be, your services are no longer required. And to me, this is kind of the peak of WWF in the Attitude Era, at least for me. Some of the stuff doesn't hold up quite so well. In retrospect, but believe me when I tell you that this particular Raw, it was one of the first things I watched when I got the WWE Network. I watch it many times since then in the couple of years, and I'm probably going to go back and watch the entire thing right after I record this. Well, that's Petey for you, folks. Thank you, Petey. Be sure to check him out. GF Allentown, greetings from Allentown. That is a very good uh, promo. That's what leads to Mick Foley becoming the version of mankind that we all know and love with the white shirt and the tie later on that show Mm -hmm. for context there. That's where that mankind is born. Um, Certainly a great moment. So, Yes, Quinn. What are we thinking here, Joe? What, What are we thinking here? I'm thinking this. I'm thinking we have a few things in contention. I want to try to to brainstorm one or two more, I want to get to our last guest here, which is WPAN, both of those guys okay. in, in one shot. They have a four-minute clip because there's two of them. So, Okay. Um, 
We are talking about here, possibly in contention, the fake Razor Ramon and Diesel from September 96. That's a good one. Yeah. The Rob Bartlett being Incident. the yeah. commentator yeah. on Raw, January to April of 93. The Billionaire Ted skits. Yes. January to about March of 96. Awful. Just very, very embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to submit even though <laughs> you're not going to agree with me, I want to submit the last Nitro, the raw portion of that, because mm. I hate the way they handled it. I always have. I've told you this recently. Okay. Joe, I watched it recently. Yeah. Um, couple takeaways. Sure. First of all, not as bad as I remembered it. Okay. That's not saying much. No. But um, I, it fell flat at the end for some reason, and I don't yeah. know why. Right. Um, I rewatched it. Such a momentous occasion. Felt yeah. like it should have been bigger. Right. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, Vince doesn't want to give WCW their due at the I'm end of the sure war. That's, I'm sure that's the biggest reason. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it is. He wants to make them seem um, small that Shane McMahon could, could buy them. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, it, it, there's something mean-spirited about it. Um, in it's just an underlining thing. It's not overt. It's right. not said. Right. Um, you know, I don't like the, there, Jeff Jarrett will be gone. It's like, you don't need That's to. That's the thing you don't like, yeah. I, I, we hate Jarrett, but you don't need to do that on TV. Like, yeah, that, I agree that's with you. just wrong. And as much as I hate Jarrett, he's, he's still known as a good guy, a nice guy. Right. Um, he is, that's just for the most that's part. kind of wrong. Yeah, I, like, I, I don't agree with doing business that way, especially after Vince likes to toot his own horn about his morals with business. <laughs> like, <laughs> morals. Yeah, it's like fuck you. Right. Like, you don't need to like publicly like fire someone before yeah. you even just because you bought them. Who's really mean spirited. And um, you know, he's basically um checking the crowd of who they want to see. And I don't like that because I just feel like you can't figure this shit out in a focus group. <laughs> like, he just goes out there is like, you like Goldberg? Yeah, I know. Yay! Yeah, I know. And then he's like, he puts a stump down, you don't like Goldberg? And then, like, there's less yays. Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's yes. just really dumb. I got you. I have one on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, meaning it was much more recent. It was 2014 mm-hmm. that I hated. Okay. When Batista came back on Raw. <laughs> See... I hated as bad it. The as skinny it is, jeans. The and, skinny jeans oh are really gosh. funny, though. He <laughs> was supposed to be a big face. Yeah, I know, but it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's too enter- It's too stupidly entertaining. All right. Well, let's go. Speaking of entertaining, let's go to WPAN. Let's go to Crockett and Malone and see okay. what they have to say. And that's our final guest appearance here. Okay. And we'll have to pick our Death Valley from the list of things we've discussed, unless we think of one. But let's go to Crockett and Malonis. Hey, Joe and Quinn, it's Mike Crockett from the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, and I've got a pal with me here. Hello, Kingpin. Yeah, it's about time I get on. I'm the guy that's uh, talking about how it's a can't-miss podcast for me, and you've been on already, and I haven't. What's up with that? Well, now you're here, and we're talking about our favorite, or perhaps least favorite, Monday Night Raw memories. What do you think, Kingpin? You got a favorite? Yeah, my favorite, Mike, I'm going to go with is actually one I was in attendance for in Boston, Massachusetts at the, I believe it was the Fleet Center at the time, now the TD Bank North Garden. But it's The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin doing a sing-along together. At one point, they sang Margaritaville together. Just a really fun moment between two of the all-time greats, certainly the two best of the Attitude Era. Holds a special place with me because I was there live in attendance. Are you serious? Yeah, what's wrong with that? Out of everything, in 
25 years of Monday Night Raw, the best thing was The Rock and Stone Cold singing Margaritaville. I wanted to go with something that I was in attendance for. Oh, my God. I guess you didn't get out much to see a Monday Night Raw. Um, all right. Well, you might give me some uh, shit for my pick. How about when ECW invaded Raw in February of 1997? Oh. oh, you mean the thing that was a net negative on the business? The words of Mike Crockett? I did say that uh, overall, I think ECW had a negative effect on the wrestling business. What became the Attitude Era, of course, started with ECW, and they brought to prominence in the U.S. the headshots and stuff that really took a toll on the talent down the road. So I think overall, I think, yes, a net negative. But just seeing those ECW guys invade Raw that first time, it was a time when WWF was more open to trying stuff like this, basically because they were desperate at the time. They were getting their ass kicked by Nitro. It's just the fact that they're willing to take a chance on this stage, WWF, open them up to creative opportunities that were there to come, like the stuff down the line where they invaded WCW. It just expanded their horizons in terms of what could be on Monday Night Raw. All right. Well, you're a hypocrite. I get it. (laughs) What do you mean, least favorite thing? Well, it's not so much a moment because it went on for, I think, about three months. And, and actually, the fellas talked about it. They put, they put this guy on Death Valley of 1993. I'm talking about this jamoke that they brought in to do commentary on Monday Night Raw for the first three months of the show's existence. Rob Bartlett, who may be the worst thing I've ever heard on WWE television. I recently, for some reason, went on like a little binge watch of the first like eight or ten episodes of Monday Night Raw. He is garbage. He's not funny. He makes fun of the product. He doesn't know professional wrestling. And there's even an episode where he just pretends to be freaking Elvis the whole time. Awful, terrible, one of the worst things in WWE history, and probably my least favorite thing in the history of Monday Night Raw. My least favorite thing about Raw is the Raw after WrestleMania. Oh, boy. A lot of people look forward to it, but I think the first time they shot the crowd doing the wave, they really made a big mistake because the fans jumped all over it. I love fans that have fun and enjoy themselves at a show, but the crowd the day after Mania has started to think that it's all about them, and it really takes the enjoyment out of it for me, especially when they're doing it at the expense of the talent in the ring. Hey, Crockett, not to interrupt you crapping all over the fans, but you do realize that the OVP podcast is a retro wrestling podcast, right? And your least favorite isn't exactly retro. All right, we got to get out of here. Look at this, Skip fellas. He doesn't even know the show. The Kingpin's the guy that knows the show I should be on. All right, all right, all right. We got to get out of here. Thanks very much, Joe and Quinn. Happy New Year. If it's still, it's still January, right? Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Oh, thanks, guys. That's uh, WPAN, folks. <laughs> well, um, uh, Malonis there ain't going to like the CM Punk inclusion on I, the... Uh... I suppose not. Yeah. I will say this, though. Um, Malonis, come on the show, but you got to let us know when's good for you. Yeah. You're a wrestler. You're yeah. busy. This is your formal, official invitation. Come on yeah. the show. I mean, I don't want to, you know, get in the way of him going to, like, Wrestle Kingdom or something. Yeah, exactly. Because, like... Get on the show. But you reach out to us and let us know when. He did say, um, Brian Malonis did, the Rob Bartlett thing. Yeah. Uh, that's a nice echo there. It's a vote. Um, I got two more bad ones. And this is probably like the last ones I'm probably sure. going to include. No, I don't, I'm out of ideas at this yeah. present moment. Okay. And one of them I can't believe I'm saying, but I it, I think we would be like, people would get mad if we didn't mention it. What is it? 
um, as far as bad, the Mark Henry birth to a hand Mae Young thing. Oh, yeah, right. That, that was that, that definitely was should be mentioned. Yeah, it was um, really dumb. Uh, I love it because it's so ridiculous. It's but just bad at the humor. same time, it's not funny. It's it's really bizarre. It's, it's not good. It's not good. It's really not. So there's that. There's that, right? And the brawl for all. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, we've talked about the brawl we've for all. We've talked for the, about the brawl for all. I don't think we need to dig deep into it but um it was really um a thing that i thought hurt the ratings i don't know i mean i can't give you solid numbers but i didn't enjoy watching it and especially when there's nitro on the other channel i usually would switch it so for yeah for that alone like uh yeah could have been a flip over yeah uh i don't think it was i think it was a bad idea I do think it was a bad idea. I don't know if it was one of the worst four things that I've ever seen on Raw. Okay. I would put the Billionaire Ted skits certainly as worse than that, and Rob Bartlett. I think Rob Bartlett... I think Rob Bartlett's winning out still. The point that Rob Bartlett was brought up by Brian Malone's... Yeah. (laughs) And elsewhere on the internet, too, Brandon Stroud, a great writer over at Uproxx, has brought him up. He was just an insulting... It's one thing if it was a one-time appearance. I get it. No. Yeah, it, it's months. more. It's more than once. It it it's more than warranted. It, I I believe so. I think I think that's it, Joe. I think we got four. I think we put it in. So, okay, for number four, Quinn, are we doing it? Rob Bartlett. Yep, let's do it. Uh, I gonna, turn that key. He's gonna get his own special key too. Yeah, for number four, Rob Bartlett. Unaware, Papa Saga pulling from the line, the ring is on, full foot and all, rock and all. Stop! Stop! Die! 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 <laughs> Oh, God. Well, that is our Death Valley and uh, yours, we want to know as well. We have Rosie O'Donnell versus Donald Trump. Boy, this is some Death Valley, huh? Katie Vick. Oh, God. The higher power angle. Yes. With me all along, Austin. And Rob Bartlett. That's our Death Valley of Monday Night Raw. Quinn, before we wrap up here, you want to do a little freeform discussion? Sure. What do you think, uh, as far as Monday Night Raw is concerned, what do you think entices people to watch to this day? Is it habit? Do they really like the current product? Is it a mix of both? I think it's a couple things. Um, I think it's it's not even habit as much as tradition at this point. Monday nights at nine. Monday nights or at eight, nine or eight, whenever yeah. the hell it's on. It's eight now, yeah. That is the wrestling time. Right. That is the time when the angles will happen the stories will advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there'll be a good match or two. Sure, it's it's a, it's just a good time too. It's like you know you get done with Monday. Monday sucks. It's like oh, but <laughs> wrestling's there, right? So right, like sure. that's pretty cool. Yep. Right. Um, I think the live nature of it has always carried it. Yep. Um, Raw has been live now since ninety nine. Um, since ninety nine, always. Um, yeah, always. That's almost a feat if you think about it. This program has been live for a long time. A feat. It has, uh, as opposed to Carrie Von Eric, which is a foot. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that in. Um, no, it has. I mean, for we're going on 19 years now since they stopped doing any pre-tapes. It was early 99 where they stopped taping it every other week yep. and went live every week. Um, man, I mean, that's that's one thing you've got to give it. Yep. For 19 years, they've gone live every single Monday with a few exceptions, No matter obviously. how bad or good it gets, um, you can never know what to expect week to week. That is true because Maybe next week is the one where there's the next pipe bomb or the next Bret Hart shoving Vince on his ass or the next Pullman's got a gun. Or the next Austin stunts. Exactly. Like you never know. You never know. It might just be the one. It and, might be the one to turn wrestling around. And that's one thing where you can say plenty of things about the creative 
team. I hate saying that phrase when it comes to wrestling. I remember the Booker. That was so much yeah. easier when it was just the Booker. I like the Booker better. Um, and a lot of it would be justified. A lot of negative things said about creative because it's bad. A yeah. lot of stuff is bad. Um, not all of it. Don't get me wrong. But the one thing that you got to give Vince McMahon and company credit for is they have, in, in the same vein that WrestleMania sells itself on being an attraction, Raw sells itself on being part of people's Monday night routine. Yep. Now, the amount of people fluctuates, and it always has over these past 25 years. And it always years. will. I'm always sure will. there'll be a surge one day. Like, I, I really don't doubt that there'll be, like, one day. one day again. And I don't know when, I don't know how, and that's the thing. Yeah. You, you, you don't know. So the people that watch, they watch because maybe they will be riding the early crest of that wave. Yeah. You know, I mean, Quinn and I have always said, Quinn actually is the one that says it, but it's true. The thing that kept us watching was the the shittiness that we started with. And yep. then we, 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 it was an upward trajectory for about four, five, six years. Yes. And it always left that feeling, right? It always left that it can always get better. Maybe there is a chance that that can happen again. We want to thank you for your memories, guys. Thank you so much for sending in your clips. Um, we hope you fans at home listening like that and hearing from some of our fans. Yep. Very nice. Um, and I also want to say that, you know, Monday Night Raw is not something. I'll be upfront. I don't currently watch it week to week. Quinn and I uh, used to watch it together for many, many years. Yep. Do you watch it, Quinn? You know, if I either have nothing to do on Monday or, you know, I hear about something, I'll watch it on YouTube. Or, you know, like I said, if there's nothing to do, there's really nothing on. Right. And it's in my DVR. Yeah. I'm just like, man, what the hell happened? I, I usually fast forward it through it in like 20 minutes, but. That's kind of the way to watch it right yeah. now anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say that, uh, you know, for many, many years, I watched Monday Night Raw every yeah. single Monday as much as I could. Uh, during the wars, I would flip back and forth, obviously. Yeah. But I yeah, I appreciate what they've done with it um, in a lot of ways. Yeah. I th- I, there's some things I think that can change, and they probably will. Like, I still think three hours is too long for that show. I do, too. It's I don't I don't know when that'll change. They get too much advertising yeah, out of it. Yeah, that's, and that's not to, like crap on the show or no, anything no, no. i'm just, just saying long. like it's just long i think two hours was the glory t- days like that was when it was at a perfect length absolutely you know 97 yeah. was when that started and that was the way raw was for like five uh for 15 years yeah and it worked and, and it worked it, it's you know it's indicative of what we see now it's just too long a show and i think that's actually part of the uh overall problem with it, it's hard to make something entertaining for three hours. It is, and and luckily we've only been going for two and a half, uh, yeah. give or take. And this has been our longest episode, Quinn, which is yeah. because it's a special because we're covering a show. Um, yeah, and that had a twenty-five year history. It's it's tough. Uh, it's tough to shorten a twenty-five year old show you exactly really, to do it justice. You yes. know what I mean? Absolutely. So, folks, we want to hear from you. We want to know, what was your favorite Raw moment? What is your least favorite? What's your Rushmore and Death Valley? Any random memories you want to share? Feel free to do that. Go to our Facebook group if you haven't, and join. And be sure, of course, to check us out on Monday. We have another episode coming out. That'll be episode number 65 as we do our normal walk through the world of retro wrestling. But we hope you enjoyed this special episode of Raw 25. It certainly has been a memorable uh, program those past 25 years. Lots of moments that we've covered. Too many to mention. No doubt about it. Um, Great show. Many more to come, probably. Just by seeing how there was new moments, um, I'm sure there will be many more moments to come. I'm sure there will. I'm sure there will. So, folks, we will have some moments for you. Check us out on Monday. Until then, have a good rest of your day. Have a good rest of your week. Have a great weekend. We will 
See you on Monday. See ya. Spent a lot of money. Spent a lot of money. money.